Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. We're back in the studio this week. Sonic Architect Adams here. As ever. Great to be back. Back on the show. Long time. Uh, she is the current reigning no encore quiz champion of the world. Uh, she's doing all kinds of things with all kinds of places. Freelance journalist extraordinaire, podcast genius, radio broadcast expert, uh, long time rival of mine, I would say. She's back, everybody. It's Zara Hederman. Hello. What an intro. Um, How are you? That, I'm good. Thank that did you. feel like a promo you were cutting there. I know, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, like, geez, what have I done to get such a great. nice intro? <laughs> it's mostly nice. Mostly nice. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Um, been a long time coming. I only realized it's been almost a year. That's ridiculous. What? Apart from the quiz. Okay. Yeah. That was still a while ago as well. That, that's not yeah. intentional. It's just the way yeah. the ball bounced, you yeah. know? Yeah, the last top five I did was uh, Pet Peeves. In okay. April. Wow. Yeah. So, like, not too dissimilar from this week's topic. That's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, this week's topic is uh, a sequel. Top five acts we don't get. Craig and I did it before, and we'll go through what was picked then later on in the show. Uh, but Zara's joining us for this one. Myself and Adam are teaming up against Zara. We sure are. Ooh, scary. Two for the price of one, yeah. listener. Because I, I don't like a fair fight against Zara, because I usually lose. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, real quick, we did The Simpsons last week. Uh, what would you have picked, Zara? Um, I'm such a Simpsons novice so when you and Mark were talking about picks and you're like oh well, this one would have been in but it's kind of too obvious I was like oh it's kind of about as, as far as my knowledge goes um, Freemason song was that? Stonecutters Stonecutters, Stonecutters yeah. sorry yes 
Um, well, you are a novice. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would have gone in there. I loved the amend- amendment one. Um, all great picks. Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably the, the Stonecutter is definitely an, an up there one for yeah, me. It is a very good one. Um, all right, listen, before we plow on with the news section, uh, it is patreon.com slash noancore if you want to throw a fiver to support this uh, little independent podcast that could. And if you do that, you get the episodes a whole day early. That's right. And also, if you're hearing any ads on this on the regular feed, you can get rid of those as well on Patreon. Ad free since the end of 23, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I started 24. I was really reaching there. But yeah, yeah no, you get a, a early access, 20, full 24 hours before um, the main feed and you'll get ad-free stuff. There is stuff to come this year. Uh, we're working on it. Leave it with us. We will get it up there for you. But yeah, join us over there, patreon.com slash noencore. Yeah, if you want to buy us a pint. And you know, like, I mean, some pints cost a fiver, some cost a tenner. That's mm. genuinely a thing. It's out of control. Yeah. But uh, in control this week, is the news section, because I put it together in the last couple of days. Let's hear it. Start spreading the news. All right, so yeah, a few days to this because, you know, it happened on Friday night, but I do want to talk about this. Zara Hedeman, <laughs> uh, the Irish Women in Harmony, who are they? They are a group of uh, Irish female musicians who came together. I think it was during COVID. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they came together um, kind of to support one another in the pursuit of kind of getting more kind of airtime and fair airtime for women in Ireland on the radio, doing a good job of that, releasing kind of a few different, like, were they charity singles did they have? They did a thing, yeah. yeah. I, think the f- I think the first one was Dreams by the Cranberries, yeah. possibly. And like yeah, correct, the likes yeah. of uh, Una Healy is there and I'm trying to get the current lineup as well. Uh, it's like Una Healy, Ruth Ann Cunningham, America Cody, um, Tolly McKay, Tolly McKay, Alvaretti, Alvaretti uh, Melina Malone. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them, yeah. and like like some have kind of come and gone, and like like there's some who've been there the whole time, and you know it's like you know is it a good cause? Is it a PR stunt? I'll let you decide, listener. But on Friday they were on the Late Late Show, and basically they were doing a tribute to Shane O'Connor. They were doing a cover of Nothing Compares to You, and this was for charity. It was for a charity single. Um, that was the reason for them to perform, um, and they did perform they went ahead with it but it's caused all kinds of headlines because RTE who of course are the radio televisioner radio televisioner the national broadcaster pack any of you there <laughs> former uh, RTE employee <clears throat> No, yeah, news talk these days. Uh, Radio Television. Uh, they basically confirmed after the performance because a statement went up on Friday night saying it was Irish artists for Palestine. And basically what happened was, Ortiz has confirmed this, that it had asked musicians associated with the group, in the group, not to wear pro-Palestinian clothing and or accessories during a performance. I believe one of the artists, I don't think it's come out which one, uh, had a t-shirt which featured the word Gaza and a love heart on it. And other members were asked to remove badges. Uh, it's the, the watermelon, watermelon badge, badge yeah. which is the colours of the flag. Um, and so, like... Mm, I'm very conflicted about this situation. I mean, or like this isn't new for RT uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like often looking to not have people broadcast pins for one thing or another. Like if, if it was a marriage referendum or, you know, the Eighth Amendment, there were definitely stories about people being asked to remove pins. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was always a situation where they'd have to have someone on the other side for balance if they're doing a debate about these issues. Uh, but generally, I mean, and, and staff members, certainly, I, I know during those referendum staff members, I basically were told that they kind of weren't allowed via their social accounts kind of 
you know, influence one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the question, I mean, it's a national broadcaster. If you're a staff member, I understand why that would be asked upon somebody, even if it is questionable and it is unfair. Um, this is slightly different. Like your guests on a show, your guests on like an entertainment show, late, late show, and your musicians. I mean, like it's, you know, like it's political to begin with. Uh, and, you know, we'll get to it, I'm sure, in a bit more detail in a moment, but like least of all that this was a tribute to Sinead yeah. O'Connor, uh, who I don't think would have put up with this behavior. So they went ahead, they 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 performed the song, stuff has come out afterwards, and people are very upset. Um, <clears throat> where like where does the book stop here, Zara, do you think? It's quite a difficult one, especially with, as you we were saying, it was a tribute to Sinead O'Connor, who was someone who was just such a beacon of advocacy of all sorts of things, whether it was, you know, sexuality, um, institutional abuses, political kind of activism as well. So, again, it's this kind of quietening women who are, you know, very strong minded in a political, in a particular stance. Um, And it's just a shame that that is continuing on, like, you know, 30 years after Sinead O'Connor was having such a difficult time with it. Um, It's, and then, you know, you have, I think recently enough, the um, Israeli ambassador, Dana Ehrlich, she was on the news with an Israel flag pin on her lapel. I think there was also a member. that went out. Yeah, I think there was also a member, in case anyone kind of wants to make the context of, well, that's hard news and they're representative. I think there was a member of Noah Kahan's band on the, like like the week before. And I think they might have had an Israel pin on as well, perhaps. I could be wrong. But like, yeah, there are instances of like, well, hang on, what about that over there? Yeah. And then, you know, you see um, today there was Elaine Malone, who is an independent Cork artist, great artist. um, And on social media followers, she has been, you know, throughout the um, the genocide that's happening. She has been very much, you know, calling for ceasefire and sharing quite a lot of very useful information about what's going on. And just, you know, doing the normal thing, uh, like from our kind of position of like the normal thing of sharing what's happening, letting people know, keeping, you know, what's going on in Gaza in people's minds and making people aware of how, you know, hard the atrocities are hitting. And today she had a post on Instagram saying that she was um, asked to contribute to a behind the music Q&A for the RTE Entertainment website. And um, there was a question, like they're all very stock questions um, that loads of artists are kind of sent out to um, to fill out and what's the first album you ever bought kind of thing exactly yeah. that kind of stuff and one of the questions was tell us three things about yourself and she repeated free Gaza three times and they were t- she was told to restructure her response and she came back with um, one I'm from Limerick and I believe that Palestine should be liberated from its colonial oppressors two I feel very strongly that all people should engage in boycott di- de-investment and sanctions of Israeli goods and businesses and all those who collaborate with them in the genocide of Palestinians. And then three, my favourite television show at the moment is Pete Seeger's Rainbow uh, Quest, a showcase of international folk music he made in the 60s after 17 years of censorship and McCarthyism. And as she then goes on to say, you know, how... That was a very valid response for her to have um, because music is, you know, as a, in that position when you have an audience, it's so important to be able to have that pl- platform to use it to inspire people politically, especially if people aren't, you know, sure what way to engage with something. Um, and yeah, it is. It's like such a fair thing for someone to be able to do. And I don't think that that kind of censorship should be allowed. I think that people should be allowed to kind of 
literally put their pin on on the mast. Is that the same? Now the colors to the mast. Yeah. I mean, like particularly if they're an artist, you know, like yeah. I mean, who who deals with this kind of stuff in, in their life experience and their music. Um, or to tell the PA news agency that contributors are asked not to wear clothing related to quote one particular point of view as part of impartiality guidelines. Uh, and it said that the conflict in Gaza was not the subject of a discussion or debate during the performance. So they're saying that it had nothing to do with the performance in general. Uh, and a spokesperson. Uh, a spokeswoman for RTE said, all RTE content follows clear guidelines in regard to impartiality. RTE aims to facilitate open debate and issues of public interest and concern. As such, we ask that participants do not wear badges, symbols, or emblems related to one particular point of view in the absence of a form for representation of all views. The Women in Harmony group performed a tribute to Sinead O'Connor. Gaza and the conflict was not the subject of discussion or debate on this occasion. Like I say, I mean, <clears throat> this would be bad anyway. Mm. The fact that it then went on to be a tribute to Sinead O'Connor is so much worse. And and I have to say as well, I've seen people say, listen, you know, uh, the Irish Women in Harmony did nothing wrong and they don't serve any criticism whatsoever. I don't fully agree with this. I think that questions are can be asked. I think we can challenge the fact that they went on and performed. Now, I wasn't there. We don't know what time of the day this happened. Mm. We don't know who made the call. Was it a floor manager? Was it a producer? Was it a director? Was it Patrick Keelty? I don't know who did it. Um, and we don't know what the discussions were like. We don't know what you know the, the mood was amongst the collective. This is a, a group of musicians. There are many of them. And you can, you know, I'm sure commitments were made, um, likely to the charity that the single, you know, you're promoting the single. Uh, there could very well be a situation where nobody wants to, you know, put themselves forward as being quote unquote difficult, particularly a woman in the music industry. Oh. And this fear of maybe being blacklisted from the Late Late Show or causing some kind of reputational damage to yourself as an artist and as a person. Um, but I, I have to say, I think they were handed a golden opportunity here to not perform, to boycott, to say, mm. no, fuck this, no way. Mm. We're going on as this or we're not going on at all. That's what Sinead O'Connor would have done and what she would have wanted. Instead, you get this fucking anodyne tribute song that kind of means nothing in the end. And I think you would have got more headlines. I think you would have got more attention on the charity single. I think you would have got more people kind of supporting you. I think, you know, it's not, I'm not looking to demonize anyone in that group, but I kind of feel, I kind of feel like they blew it. Am I being unfair? I don't, we don't know what the kind of terms with the the charity single, like the exposure that they were kind of bringing to that and kind of raising money for it. So they are in a bit of a bind in that way. Um, I also just think of at the weekend as well, we had the BAFTAs and Ken Loach, an incredible filmmaker and a very right on man politically throughout his career, going back to the 60s. He was interviewed on the red carpet beforehand um, and he was at the ceremony wearing a Palestinian flag badge on his um, suit jacket and he you know said when he was interviewed that he really hopes that like any of the winners on the night take the opportunity to like address the matter and to speak up for you know calling for a ceasefire showing any kind of support for Gaza because that is the role of an artist um, and I think that that is the same here like the Irish Women in Harmony um, members they should have just been allowed to wear it because you know they're wearing a t-shirt or they're wearing a pin they're not they weren't necessarily shouting ceasefire now. They were just, you know, silently showing their support for something. And, you know, audiences can take that message up however they want. I think it is just quite disappointing that that element of it was kind of, um, you know, tar like they weren't allowed to do that because I think music and politics in particular, Sinead O'Connor, that element to it, it's just so connected and bound to 
what music is for a lot of people and what it can do. So Yeah, I mean, like, listen, there's a Streisand effect here because, I mean, by doing this, it's created a bigger conversation. It's created a story when there wouldn't have been one originally. I can't imagine that they would have. Maybe somebody would have complained that if they saw the T-shirt, fine, who cares? Uh, RTE, I understand, has got responsibilities. You're a national broadcaster. It's not the easiest vision for them, but I do feel like it was the wrong one. And I also feel like it was the wrong one to carry on with the performance. Like I say, not there on the day, wasn't in the room, don't know the pressures, Lots of them tied to it. Not an easy decision, no way. But I think that there'd be a lot more respect for this group if they had have turned around and said, we're leaving. Goodbye. Yeah. You know? And hopefully, you know, the Irish Women in Harmony and Irish um, Artists for Palestine, they can kind of come together maybe and maybe this will put a bit of a, a an extra fire in their belly to do other kind of campaigning or other kind of organisations to kind of raise awareness, raise funds for, you know, the cause of Gaza. Um, do you think that they, I mean, like, do you think that there's a pressure on them as individuals and, a, and as a group now to do that? Because, I mean, listen, I sit here from a very comfortable position. I'm not really much of an activist. I don't claim to be. I don't really use my platform. I mean, we talk about it on the show, you know, all the time. It's kind of all I really have. If I'm on the radio, I'll do that as well. But, like, <clears throat> I'm not saying, like, oh, look at me, I'm doing so much over here. I'm not saying I am at all. I, I am saying that in this position, I think it's a missed opportunity. But do you think now that members of that group should do something different or just carry on? Um, I think, you know, just keep on doing what they're doing and, yeah, taking opportunities to, like, voice their opinions on something. If they feel passionately about something, never kind of shy away from doing it. Obviously, this was a pretty monumental moment where they did shy away from doing something quite big. Um, but as we said, we don't know the ins and outs of what happened kind of leading up to the event um, at the Late Late Show. So I just hope that this does really kind of in reinvigorate that kind of passion to keep on, you know, speaking their minds about it. And, you know, they're paying homage to Sinead O'Connor. And um, there's no one kind of better to have as a someone in your mind to want you to be a better artist artist in that way to be so socially minded and to be politically minded and to use your position in a very powerful way so I really do hope and I do think like Adam a lot of the people you mentioned there that are in the group they're all very um you know, strong-minded. They're very, um, I find each of them quite interesting to listen to. They have such a, a powerful voice, especially in Ireland. We're a small kind of island. We're a small uh, media island too. We have reach for audiences. So yeah, I am I am hopeful, but that is just kind of the eternal optimist in me with these uh, kind of things. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I like, I find it hard to find something to add Yeah. Um, based on what you were you know, talking about there, I do, there's like part of me that does agree with Dave that I feel like maybe the benefits overall probably would have been higher had they taken uh, the the hard stance and not performed. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily hold any grudges to them for not performing or for performing. Yeah, um, no, and I don't think people should be uh, like saying I've, I've seen I've seen that online and it's it's that's just, not helpful. I, I just think it's that's it, not helpful it's completely but backwards. But I do think I do think you can challenge, I think you can criticize yeah, in a and, civil fucking way. Yeah, like, and like I said I do think that probably it was the wrong decision to take. Um in the situation, yeah, you again we we've said it 
here a couple of times now. We don't know what was going on behind those closed doors. What, don't know who made the call. I mean, like, don't know who maybe, maybe the there call. was a representative uh, for the group as a whole. Maybe, like, maybe, some, maybe whoever made the decision regrets it. I but, mean, like it's. But I will say, the moment, not a lot of time. You know, it's it's tough. It is a tough situation. It's like, I wonder if they got if they got this missive at the start of the week versus while you're doing the rehearsal. Do you know, see, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that that was the case. I think it was a last minute call because That's what I'm because yeah. we saw and what the, I mean, yeah, the no, statement I mean, on Irish artists for Palestine yeah. and the fact that even they brought it to like someone clearly brought it to their attention yeah, what I mean is like it would be a different story if they had days of it oh yeah, yeah absolutely in this yeah, case yeah. they didn't they had errors or minutes you know? yeah mm. yeah at least that's how what the optics are you know yeah. mm. um, and I would likely think that it's probably the case of something that happened on the day um, but like I said I don't hold any grudges for anybody to against any of the members of the group for not or for performing um, I do just think that it probably wasn't the right decision but again mm. there's a lot of moving parts there who's in charge is another thing we don't know that because it's it is a collective um you know i i don't know what the is there a hierarchy there where someone's kind of calling the shots we we don't know yeah and i mean listen in a different situation a much different situation now uh much more light i will say we do know who is in charge and i do want to go to you first adam because <laughs> this is a this is an area of expertise for you sure. the world of disco music of course is a yes sir you, know, you could say it's cinematic you know and has been to date we've had many films depicting it but at the tender age of 86 years of age ridley scott has is in talks i believe uh to direct the forthcoming Bee Gees. Rob of the talk. Let's make it happen, Ridley. Let's How make it happen right 86? now. He's been around for a long time. He was born 86 years ago. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> but no, he only looks about 73. Like. Yeah, sure, no, yeah. he's a good 86. He's a good 86. Yeah. Like, he looks well. He's he likes red 86. wine. Do you ever see, like, I watched the four hour, three and a half hour Prometheus making of, and there's a part where, like, uh, someone on the crew goes, you always know when Ridley's going to show up to the set because trays of red wine just appear out of nowhere. That's the secret then. Loads of red be. wine. He yeah. made a film about wine with Russell Crowe, remember? A good year? No one ever saw that movie. No, I haven't. Great name for a film about wine. Yeah. yeah. So listen, um, <laughs> it's happening. Fantastic. I, I, like, in fairness, Ridley Scott is very prolific. I noticed like, he's wrapping up Gladiator 2. Uh, Napoleon came out there. It wasn't very good. Um, but he's always like moving on to the next project immediately. And my theory is like a lot of film actors and directors, whether it's, you know, him, whether it's, you know, an actor like Al Pacino or Rob De Niro, I think they're like sharks. If they stop moving, they die. So like he has to keep going. Yeah. So like we're yeah. like we're gonna get this movie probably. Um, there's no official title. It's got to be called Staying Alive. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's a missed opportunity if they don't do it. Um, I like I grew. I was talking to Dave about this briefly during the week. I, I grew up listening to the Bee Gees. So yeah. I um, I'm like on the edge of my seat waiting for this. I will be there on day one. It. I think. Because it, it is a storied past and it is like there's a lot of tragic elements to the Bee Gees um, and, you know, like Barry Gibb alone is just a, a total, like a, there's a story there just mm-hmm. in that one man. And yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth making a movie over he as be, equally as he much He will be as, involved. It has yeah. been reported that he actually will be overseeing this. Well, great. That's that's ideally what you want because it was the same with like Elton John and Rocketman where Elton John was like, show it all just like absolutely so, yeah, show like, everything I well, kind of hope it's the same well thing. Paramount who's making it has access to the Bee Gees music so like we want a jukebox, a jukebox music here it should be noted that Ridley Scott has some history because decades ago the manager of the Bee Gees Robert Stigwood uh, worked with Ridley Scott to develop a thing called Castle Accident a medieval story starring all three Bee Gees but it never came to pass Scott made his debut feature The Duelist instead so unfinished business Zara what do you think about this and uh, anyone in mind for the casting uh <sighs> 
I really just do not like music biopics. I'm not really a fan of the biopic. Any of them? The recent ones have been pretty fucking dire. Like, <laughs> Rocketman was shy. I disagree. Bohemian Rhapsody was shy. I agree. I'll be back you there. Uh, the only recent one that I have... Sorry, Elvis. Sorry, I know, Dave. I loved it. I loved it so much. Even when it was I, cocaine, the musical, like, <laughs> like what it was. even when I was in the cinema going to see Top Gun Maverick, a great film. Yeah, um, there was a trailer for the Elvis film, and I remember turning to Topley in the cinema, and I just went, "Baz Luhrmann has no fucking business making a film about Elvis." I think Baz Luhrmann had lots of business making a film about Elvis, but there was someone else who I was. There was another film that came out that year, and I was like, "Oh damn!" Like if. That director had have made the Elvis film and if Baz Luhrmann had have made the film that the other director was making, it would have been a better swap. I can't remember what film. Well, hopefully you will by the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, nice during my top five, I'm like, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, I will say, actually, sorry, before I move on to my casting, one of the biopics that I did see that was made in the last eight or so years was the Judy Garland one that I thought was actually... Is that Renee Zellweger? Yeah. Did she win an Oscar for that? I think she did. She might have. Yeah. Okay. I actually thought that that was done relatively well. Like I didn't grimace watching it. Like I find a lot of the time I grimace watching these things. Is it because of, uh, do you just not buy the portrayals or is it the formulaic storylines where it's, we got to have the childhood drama, we got to have this, we got to have that. It's just the dialogue a lot of the time I find just really nails to a chalkboard. Have you seen the trailer? Adam and I saw it last week when we went to the cinema tech together. Uh, have you seen the trailer for the forthcoming Amy Winehouse one? Yeah, which I will has, not be going to which see Which has that. the line where she goes, I ain't no Spice Girl. Yeah, I will not be going to see that. I will. Again, that's a day winner for me. It's I, a I'm, curiosity, more of a curiosity one. It, like the lead actress is Marissa Abella, who's in one of our favourite shows. Industry. Industry. Great. I've not seen that. It's a really good, that, really, really I, good, I, I good gotta show. say, I fear for her here. I do. I, I like. Yeah. It looks bad. Is it a po- yeah. is it a poison chalice? Probably. Like I will say, the music biopic for me is, I like love it. I do think it's great. It's just I. You have a favorite? I, um, like Elvis is probably up there. To be honest, does this a Spinal Tap count? N- no. no, no parody. Okay, yeah. It's but like it again. Those like fly on the wall things, like yeah. like or you know to be perceived as a fly on the wall almost yeah. or like a documentary. Like again, I would probably prefer those to biopics, but I just love the info. I love getting the story because like a lot of the people who warrant getting to a point where a biopic is made about them have a story to a tell. real yeah. a real story to tell. And I think the Amy Winehouse one is going to be like, look, it's going to be tragic and really really grim, but. I, uh, I I will go and see it. Yeah. Uh, I'll be making it my mission to get Jan Gannon on this podcast to discuss that when it comes out. I do also actually, uh, when I was a child, I remember seeing a Sonny and Cher biopic. It was on TV once and I was hypnotised by it. Like I was maybe about like eight or nine, but I became so obsessed with it that like our Saturday, Sunday treat um, growing up was to go to Extra Vision down the road, pick out some movies to rent. And I just became really obsessed with renting that biopic um, and watching it quite a lot. But like to the point where I watched it and because I was so young and a child, I thought it was the real Sonny and Cher. So I was like, this is amazing. The access, how do they film all this? 
us when they were so young. Um, what about he, a biopic about a fictional character, for example, a man named Jackson Maine and uh, Ali? I fucking a love star that film is born. So much. <laughs> is your favorite version the Cooper Gaga one? Is it? It kind of is. Oh, yeah, wow. I haven't seen the Judy Garland one, but like the I remember when the Star Is Born came out initially, and I was working in an office at the time, and it was a Friday, and I was meeting some friends for pints later, but I had a couple of hours to kill, and I was like. I actually really want to go to the cinema by myself. And I was like, I'm actually going to go see A Star is Born. Like, fuck it. I remember getting the text afterwards, but go on. Oh my God. I went (laughs) to the Swan Cinema in Rathmines because that was the nearest, like, screening. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I'll go see it. Like, texted the lads. And I was like, look, I'm just going to go see A Star is Born. I'm seeing a bit. Came to the pub in tears <laughs> like I was really inconsolable and I cycled to the pub which was like 15 minutes away and I almost got killed I'd say a few times because I was just reliving certain moments and just choking up but like it was on TV a couple of months ago and it was like at the bit where yeah. that fucking bastard manager turns to Jackson Maine he's just like you're gonna ruin her career you're not going on this tour and then we all know what happens I um, went to see it I went to see it with my ex-girlfriend uh, so that's a that, that's a happy memory there for me I <laughs> uh, hear a question for you actually real quick just on this we are actually every other music news story we have in this section is related to TV or film anyway but real quick uh, just because we talked about it last week briefly on the show I know you've seen it The Iron Claw oh god did you cry? Do you know what? I, I did cry a bit. I cried a lot more when I read about the Von Erichs mm-hmm. um, and particularly when I was reading about Mike because Mike's story in the film, Jesus, really killed yeah, me. Yeah, real then, tragic, yeah. real tragic. I love him performing that song. What a song, by the way. Mm. So like, <laughs> when I was reading his Wikipedia <clears throat> thing and it just like said how like loads of wrestlers said that like he really didn't want to wrestle he just wanted to be a musician I broke down anew and Tapley was just like what's wrong are you okay like and I was like no he really wanted to be a <laughs> musician I hate their dad like yeah. I was so annoyed um but should we get onto our casting of yes the, the BGs yeah go ahead okay Robin, I think, is pinned on Rami Malek. Are we really bringing him back into this? Can we? Can he just like have a break? I think he needs. He's one. had a break. Like, I, I just kind of wanted to keep keep my sphere. Yeah, again, exactly. that's that's. My, I'm trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> I think it's a good pick, though. But I just like he, I we, we've seen what he can do. I know. <laughs> I know. Morris, I've got two potentials. Uh, Sebastian Stan. Okay. Good shout. Or Kit Harrington. Oh, I would prefer oh. Sebastian. Industry Stan. season three is Kit Harrington. I would, yeah, the season we're never getting. Um, oh, we're getting it. It's uh, made, I think. <laughs> yeah, it went just I yesterday. Know. I don't know. <laughs> um, show, man. So yeah, good. I know. It's really, it's, it's, it's a hard, hard to be a fan of. Um, I think Kit Harrington is the better casting. Mm. As much as I don't. He's got, he, he's got better hair and, yeah, and, and the face that's important and the face, here yeah, well look yeah. hair hair can be made in a lap like that sure yeah that is true that's, my, they, that's, scientists do say that that's the famous yeah quote about hair <laughs> my Barry now this could be a contentious one and I don't know what his chops are for singing Kieran Hines <laughs> <laughs> what Kieran Hines is a great actor He's always been a great actor. <laughs> he might have just slightly... He could do like later, Barry, I guess. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, Liam Hemsworth. That is contentious. 
So you, you, but you, he you has want, the same. You, you want a pretty boy. That, that's what you want here, is it? I mean, I guess they're all pretty boys. Look at Barry Gibb, like yeah. If I if I could offer one up, yeah, Donald Gleeson. Oh, stop! Zara's Donald Gleeson. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Look at the think about the face. Think about the hair color. Listen, or or Bradley Cooper. Keep that same energy for the next story because it's all of a piece, really. My worst cinematic nightmare. <laughs> Has, has come, come true. true. <laughs> uh, like, BG's fine. Take him or leave him. Whatever. Like, you know. But they're making... You have your BGs. You have your... You got, you, got, you, got yeah. your you got your BGs and you got your Beatles because I couldn't believe... It, it took me a minute. I saw I saw the headline and I thought, oh, Sam Mendes is directing a Beatles film. And I was like, I'll never watch that. And then I realized the sad truth that was staring me in the face. Sam Mendes is making four separate films about the Beatles. One on each of the members from the band. Yes. Now, uh, he's directing all four <sighs> films. Paul, John, George and Ringo, each getting a movie. I'll watch Ringo's, I think. But I mean, like, fuck me. And this has been in the works for some time. Apple are involved. A lot of money. A grand vision. I'm never going to watch these, Zara. No. What do you think? I mean, I love the Beatles. Um, love them. Would I watch four separate films about them? I mean, I probably will go to the cinema just be like... Back to back? If they all come out in the same day or something? Oh, I'd do it, yeah, in a heartbeat. Maybe. So listen, that's, it, I, that's the enthusiasm was really waning there. It's just like we have Get Back. Did you, like, watch, you, you did watch that and you liked it, right? Love that. Well then, there you go, you watch this too. Um, I don't, I really don't need this. I really don't need... Sam like, Mendes, director of American Beauty, no. Skyfall, Spectre. Skyfall, yeah. Skyfall, one of the best James well, Bond movies ever. Well, let me tell you, uh, one of the producers, Deadline Hollywood had the exclusive on this, and one of the producers said, what is truly exciting is for Sam Mendes to have the freedom to delve into the lives of each of the Beatles with nothing off limits and no sense of the band wanting him to tell a particular authorised version of their rise to success. So they're saying it's warts and all. No, I don't, I re like when I saw this break in yesterday, I was just like, please, God, please let this not be real. Like, which one do we think Timothy Chalamet is going to play? Well, wasn't there news that he was potentially going to be George Harrison, or is that? I'm just joking. I didn't even realize. No, I did see something. Now this could have been someone joking on Twitter, being like, <laughs> "The Onion, yeah, doing like if uh, Timothy Chalamet would be like Bob Dylan and then George Harrison." I was like, "Oh God, no!" I could see Aaron Taylor Johnson getting one of these yeah. roles. But did he call. not already play John, John Lennon, Lennon in Nowhere, Nowhere Boy. Boy? Yeah, so maybe it's time to just do it again. Reprise the role, baby. No, I think if you're going to cast it, Dewey Cox style. Oh, the, <laughs> the lads from that Justin movie. Justin Long as George, Jack Black, Paul, Paul Rudd as John, and then Jason Schwartzman as Ringo. Uh, was it Jack Black or Jack White? Jack Black. I've still never seen the movie. Apparently, Have you not? Apparently it's great. Oh my Dewey God. Cox. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Higgs talks about it all the it's time. So, it's so, so funny. funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, was only think, I was only thinking about it like two weeks ago. and it was like Everyone said that it's ruined, it's fantastic. It's ruined real biopics for them because yeah. it's just, it's the formula. Like It's unbelievable. Like the Beatles scene in that film, I almost vomited. Like I was crying and vomiting, nearly laughing. It's so good. Do we need this though? Do we need four separate Beatles films? No. No, but like, do we? Did we need an Elvis movie? Probably not. Like, we got one of them. Well, I know, I know, there's been loads of them by different filmmakers over yeah. the course of this. Is like, also like, this is like Sam Mendes has found his fucking avatar. <laughs> he's going to lock himself in on one project for the next twenty years of his life. Well, I mean, like, which is fine by the way, because he's, in my opinion, he's not great. So, like, it's mm. he's all right. Road to Perdition is very good. 
1917 is it's okay. Like it's 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 all right. Apparently, Empire Light was muck. Spectre's rubbish. Skyfall is good. Yes, I haven't seen. I, I think the only Mendes I've seen is American Beauty. I remember being very good at the time, but also a little bit overrated. And now I'm like, do I really want to go back to this? Who would you cast in the roles? Who do you think would Kevin be Spacey? As Ringo, yeah, Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, I don't know who else is on the list there. I think they have to be unknowns. Oh, I'm going to say this. No, no. I think um, I think that the UK actor Callum Turner will end up in one of these. Oh, what's he in? That name's familiar. He's in Masses of the Air, and he's in Green. He's very good in Green Room, actually. He's a. I think like they'll go for a Brit pretty boy. Green Room, the Patrick Stewart Elizabeth Moss film. No, Patrick Stewart is in it though. Uh, it's about the band that, you know. Like like, yeah, that, is yeah. Elizabeth Moss not in that too? No. Or am I, oh, I'm thinking of Her Smell. Yes. No, this is, yeah, this is the band. Yeah, they go and they play at a, a Nazi thing and it goes very wrong too for them. Too scared to watch that it's film. An, have, you, have you not seen it? I actually don't think I'd be able Sorry, to. Sarah, it's absolutely brilliant. I don't think, I, I'm really bad with violence. And it's like 90 minutes. Like, it, oh, it's very violent. I don't it's a think lot I'd in there for 90 minutes. It's so. it's brilliant. Like, it's absolute Green Room, everybody. I haven't seen it either, but I know exactly what it is and I feel like I've seen it. It yeah. might still be on Amazon Prime. If, uh, it was recently. It's fucking great. It's, mm. t- it's a tough hang. I will say that. Is there a particular, like, do you think that with these films, just for Mendes, like, for his simplicity, do you think with each of them he'll zone in on a particular era? Like, would it be a good idea for kind of a, each film to, to like... go in stages almost, yeah. yeah. Like, whatever, the Yellow Submarine phase or Losing the Sky with Diamonds yeah. and even, the, like, the first, the White Album and the, like the a good, Red Album, all that kind a of stuff. A good point if he wanted to, like, have a unifying thread would be, like, to look at them all in 1970, like, the year of the breakup. Because each of them released a, day, a solo album that year. Mm. Ringo actually released two. I, I want yeah. I want Ringo's film to just be about him doing the voice of Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh no! I want the Ringo one to be him in a, is it the Vampires of Hollywood where he was just like drinking all the time with <laughs> Harry Nelson. I want well, whatever happens, I hope we get a Rashomon style interpretation of Maxwell Silverhammer. <laughs> Do you not want a, a Doomcore version of uh, Maxwell Silverhammer in it? I'll take every version of Maxwell Silverhammer <laughs> you got. Um, but I'll tell you, there's a version of Maxwell Silverhammer I wouldn't want in my life. Uh, and let's just, let's discuss my problems with True Detective Season 4, shall we? Which recently wrapped up. True Detective Night Country, as it was known. It's in the books. Uh, I reckon it was all a bit bad all round. I thought it started off very well. Mm. Uh, and then had a steady downhill descent and an absolutely dreadful conclusion. But the real crimes era with True Detective Season 4 was the parade and continuation of proliferation of mournful, slowed-down covers of popular upbeat songs. Uh, Adam, give us a flavour there, would you please? Jeremy Renner ri- wishes he wrote that. <laughs> I don't understand why it turns into like a create a wrestler entrance theme at the end there, but that yeah, is or like uh, a Call of Duty loading screen. Like, 
<laughs> yes, very much so. Oh. That is a cover of Eagle Eye Cherry, terrible song, Save Tonight. And it's done in that mournful, you know, epic way. Uh, one of the needle drops that closes an episode of True Detective Season 4, we also got across the show um, the Marika Hackman cover of I Follow Rivers by Leaky Lee. Horrendous. Uh, we got Nothing Breaks Like a Heart, Triple J version by Clea, which is the Miley Cyrus, Mark Ronson thing. Uh, the big one though, Zara, in the last episode, which I think you couldn't believe when it happened, was... Twist and Shout. So Twist and Shout by the Beatles actually starts off this show because they go to a research station and there's a scene from Ferris Bueller on repeat. It keeps skipping and it's, it's him doing Twist and Shout. But then, of course, we get like a fucking, you know, mournful like, doo-doo-doo-doo, you know. Twist. Actually, now that I think about show. it, oh, stop. Like, what are we doing? I, Shake it on, baby. <laughs> you're just putting yeah, it's awful. Like, it's just like, it's so I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was just like, what is going on with the fucking music in this show? It's like a John Lewis ad, but like, cut, like desaturated oh. completely. It's that Twist awful. And show. You know, you look so good. I think, I think, awful. I think we found a clip for socials this week. No, no, no. Bad show. Um, yeah. I, I put up a tweet about it, and I got lots of people being like, "What are you talking about? It's great!" And I'm like, "Okay, great, good stuff." And of course, you know, it's you know, if you don't like the show, you're a misogynist, yeah. and it's like, okay, well, I don't, I don't agree. I, yeah. I, I like women characters. I just like them to be well written. All right, Jerry Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with women characters. I love women characters. Oh, it's Frank McCord, actually. Sorry, yes, Jerry Hannah's a yeah. very different man. <laughs> And when, and when they put out the cast of the call for True Detective Night Country, hundreds of people came to the... Uh, like Liz it, Danvers <laughs> is a made-up name. Evangeline Navarro is a made-up name. She made it up. Um, <laughs> miserable, miserable Ennis. It is a miserable show. It um, yeah, it's bad. Uh, the it's ending really is... Bad really bad I wanted to like the show but I have to say this like uh, my plea is please we have to stop this we have to stop this mournful cover thing we just have to do it it has to go away I thought you were going to do uh, another Beatles song there please please me oh yeah yeah I mean it wouldn't surprise me if that popped up there like, there, there was a regular needle drop of wannabe by the Spice Girls but my, my brain twisted and shouted itself so much that I thought that they had done a slowed down version of it and I was trying to imagine what that would even be like like fucking hell I also just didn't even really like the Billie Eilish song as the opening Bury a friend yeah it doesn't work yeah. didn't work for me especially because no. like I can't remember what season three and I'm like lads it's like like it's not a, like the show is really miserable yeah. <laughs> like, I can't remember what season three's music it was T-Bone Burnett I think well, he did the music for the show I think he did the intro theme as well season two is Leonard Cohen which ne- works really well I think season two in my opinion nowhere near as bad as people say it is I'm now with this yeah. show coming out Looks a lot better. Yeah, it looks really good now. But season one with that wonderful theme tune is still. Oh, that was that's peak television. Yeah. Like I think True Detective by whatever the franchise. It's HBO, isn't it? It is HBO. Yeah. yeah. So I think HBO, like they really set themselves up for a fall by being like, we're going back in again after Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. I actually feel really bad it. for like as bad as one can feel for someone who got a six episode show with the budget and an actor of the caliber of Jodie Foster and John Hawks was in there as well as, as you can for Issa Lopez who was the you know the the showrunner and the writer director of, of True Detective season four she wrote most of the episodes some other writers here and there but she oversaw the whole thing and like she took a lot of shit obviously and again of course there are dickheads who were like it's about women so fuck it we want we want the lads again nah it's fine like do something different that's cool the story just isn't very good mm. but also she pitched 
a crime show. Mm. And they went, we like it. Can you whack True Detective on it, though? Mm. And she was like, sure. And then there's all this really bad connective tissue that doesn't work. And then the mystery itself isn't very strong. The reveal is laughable. Mm. It, oh, yeah, it's bad. I'm glad it was only six episodes. I wonder if it was maybe originally eight. And they it could got, have done. Yeah. Don't know. It does feel a bit truncated at the end. Especially, but. yeah, the last two episodes in particular. I mean, nothing really happens in the last episode. But I can't get over the music. I just, I can't. It's really bad. I can't get over it. Yeah. Like, I, like, I couldn't believe what I was hearing in yeah. some cases. Like, oh, it's it's, I'm really glad it's over. And like, <laughs> <laughs> what a damning statement that is. The first episode was really good. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, this looks great. The premise is interesting. Let's see what we're going to do with this yeah. thing. And then the more went on, the more I was like, nope. And I just really found that the more kind of returning to season one kind of nods really actually annoyed me. Yeah, they don't fit at all. They don't fit at all. It's getting people excited for no reason. And it's like... They actually have a guy in the last episode to say... Oh, stop. Say the line, time is a flat circle. And I was like... Colin O'Regan told me that when he saw it, he said that he was on his couch reacting as if like it was a VAR decision for a penalty and he was just screaming at his screen yeah. like, no, no, please, don't, no, no, yeah. don't do it. He jumped up with his hands yeah, on his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah horrendous, horrendous. It's it, like finishing that had the complete opposite effect of, do you know that really uh, Pinteresty quote, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Mm-hmm. No, it's the fucking opposite for me. I'm smiling because it's over. It's Save tonight. Okay, well, let's see if, uh, let's see, you know, I guess we just, we just didn't get the feminist masterpiece that was True Detective Season 4. But what else don't we get? That's the real question. Now, oh. we're doing um, our top five, everybody, which is acts we just don't get. Now, let me try and find uh, the previous uh, one on this, because I know I sent it to you, Zara. You did, yeah. Um, in terms of what we had picked before. The number five on Craig's list, because I went back and listened to it, is mm-hmm. a red herring. It's a red herring? Yeah. As in, for the list we're about to do? No, the list that you sent me of previous ones covered. Is it? Okay. Number five on his one is, can I say it? Yeah, I, I've got it here. So I picked, right? Yeah. Artists I, I, I don't get. I picked Jess Glynn, Imagine Dragons, Alanis Morissette, Dave Matthews Band, and Hozier. That was my five last time. Craig's, it says here, is Nine Inch Nails. So that's, that was, uh, he did that as a joke. Oh. Because you're like... No! Like it literally sounds like you're about to just hop over the other side of the room and kill him. I don't because I, I couldn't remember him picking it. Yeah, you, so. did, you did say this to me before. We were going through uh, a top five whether something was picked in recently, and I said uh, I sh- like sent you a screenshot. Yeah. Of that particular top five, and you said, "I can't believe I let this happen." Okay, so so that was a gag. So then, okay, so he's got Black Flag, yes, Christine and the Queens, yeah, Phil Collins, Craig. Phil Collins is amazing. You said uh, something about Susudio. Susudio, you, you were like, "How the hell?" In the Air Tonight is one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, Beyonce, you got, you got a lot of flack for that, and the Police, a fair a fair rejoinder, I would say. I think it's a fair yeah. list. Um, so that's that was a that's who we chose last time. I've got no repeats anyway. Um, who's going first, Adam? Um, so we are going to go second. So Zara's going to go first because Adam and I have teamed up on this one. Intrigue. So. Yeah. Intrigue. So yeah, anything to say before you get going? It's pretty straightforward. I actually just don't understand. Don't understand the appeal of. Yeah. Hate that they exist. Wish I, they would stop. I would say that my premise for acts that I don't get, because uh, there's low, like I could have picked so many, um, but I wanted to do it a bit more kind of personal to me of like why bands or artists that going by people that I love 
and musicians that I really like who've been maybe influenced by people and I just do like I should like this person so I'm going at it from that like I kind of should yes Adam I was just gonna say so my angle is slightly different but a similar vein so I was coming at it in the case of like complete commercial success so this act is like a commercial success but like I cannot get my head around why okay Uh, from a personal taste perspective so similar ish similar vibes yeah like yeah and my angle was Adam do you want to take the reins on this one this week (laughs) and mostly choose for me so prepare for a top five curated by me (laughs) I'm in there as well (laughs) no you're in there you're 100% in there I'm not Um, 100% in there but I'm in there (laughs) anyway Zara would you like to kick us off please yeah okay so uh, 12 year old me um, oh god I've just realised it's intro top five intros oh and you always panic about the intros <laughs> but you usually always do a good job but now that you've brought it up you're definitely going to stumble yeah because I just started with well it's 12 year old me no, and I'm like partridging it up like <laughs> yeah but that's what it's about you got to be thespian yeah, for this part I of the do, show I do I do okay no pressure Zara okay so let's go back it's 12 year old Zara um, she's really finding herself in music she's getting into a lot of bands she's buying enemy religiously but one of the cover bands just is not doing it for me. And sorry, Craig, for this one. I uh, can't stand that song, I have to say, Um, which uh, that bit in particular. Who is it? It's uh, the Libertines, the uh, the Likely Lads, isn't it? Don't they have a song? Whatever Happens Likely Lads, is it? The song is Can't Stand Me Now. This is the only Libertine song I like, by the way. Oh, really? What a choice. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) No, I hate them apart from this. Yeah, they're a band, like I said, like I was 12, but I think I was 12 in first year of secondary school as opposed to in sixth class. And this is when I was really coming into my own of like with my Walkman, listening to Hot Fuss uh, on the bus in school, uh, listening to Blondie and all that kind of nonsense that 12-year-old girls do. Um, and actually, when I was revisiting this song, in that song in particular, which... Uh, was produced by Mick Jones of The Clash. Um, You can really hear so many different bands in one that they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. So at the start, you know, the vocal stylings are so Morrissey-pilled, it's unbelievable. (laughs) Um, We do get a bit of, you know, obviously the Sex Pistols, The Clash in there, their kind of energy being reignited. Lots of Clash, yeah, definitely. Then later on in that particular snippet, when I was listening to it again, I was like, fucking hell, like there's actually a little bit of like Blondie in the drums uh, in this song. I like the drums in it. Um, there's the David Bowie-esque, oh, oh, oh. And then we have the uh, the Bobby D homage with the... The um, harmonica. The, the harmonica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really fucking hate this song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, only, it's the only one of pairs I ever liked. <laughs> I rem- like, even as a 12-year-old, I was like, I cannot stand this. And it was... 
it's so strange because like they were kind of like the UK's answer to like the Strokes. They toured with them quite a lot. Um, did you know actually that uh, patron saint of No Encore was in them for a brief spell? Brian Ocean. Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Um, no, Johnny Burrell was their bassist. Of course, because yeah. there's the whole feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like there is, I, I think you can detect a bit of razor light nonsense in this song, especially with the way the drums sound. Yeah. Like it's very like, you know, yeah. stumble and fall. Like, Don't make me do my Johnny Burrell impression oh, again. Oh, gee, go for it. Get over the brakes. <laughs> stumble and fall. Dun, 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 dun. That song is also good. <laughs> Will it appear in my list? Um, I just don't get Razor Light, one of the worst bands of all time. More filming. Gosh. Um, uh, yeah, so like it has all these elements. And like I said, in that one song, it has so many bands that when I was 12, The Clash, Blondie that I'm hearing now, uh, bopped in with the harmonica at the end, it should have appealed to me. And like I was buying Enemy and Q religiously. Oh, like yeah. I was indebted to that crossword. Not Hot Press magazine, no. No. Oh, you wait until the magazine of record. Yeah, you wait yeah. until a couple of a couple of young dashing writers popped up in Hot Press, and then you know those. I magaz- still didn't buy it. Then. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Sure, they have me on fucking like you know they're even giving me good stuff to write. So it's um, fine. But I was I was like, why didn't I like this? And I actually listened to the album, the self-titled album that this came off last night. And I was like, is there anything in here that I'm missing? I was like, no, there's actually not. Um, there was maybe one song, Music When the Lights Go Out, which I do I do remember as a child being like, oh, this is kind of something in my wheelhouse that I would like. I think I remember like Glastonbury coverage, seeing something like them perform it and being like, oh, I like this. Watched um Sorry, tired. Music when the light go- lights go out by Libertines. Wired. Baby when the lights go out by five. <laughs> <laughs> Remember them? <laughs> Do I? They're the, one of the best mega mixes that's ever, ever existed, played at every wedding you've ever been to. And also the best intro to a song. Bing, 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 bing. What is oh, that's I mean, move, is that keep on lion. moving? Yeah. yeah. That song is so good. Yeah. Get on up. How did I take when you're down? Terrible. There's a band I get. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you watched their Glastonbury form is that what you're I think like when I was growing up I used to always religiously watch like Glastonbury coverage and I th- it must have been that or maybe it was Jules Holland but I do feel I have this like memory in my head of them performing music when the lights go out and being slightly appealed to that but I watched um, the Jonathan Ross performance of Can't Stand Me Now and it was their first uh, time playing it mm-hmm. Um and like just the comments under the video are so funny. It was just like, oh man, the passion between Doherty and Barrett when they look at each other. They're so in love. This is so sad. And then someone's like, I watch this video once a week and I cry. It's like, yeah. fucking hell, mate. Like, Real music. Uh, were you influenced in any way negatively by their bad boy behavior? Do you think in all the tabloid shit? Did that bother you at all? I, uh, it didn't bother me so much as... I think as well I was probably too young to really pick a side or kind of fully understand why as well they were kind of uh, fighting with one another. Obviously Doherty struggled immensely with addiction um, and just even reading about the band kind of history, it's very sad reading about like the stop and start nature of it and why and you know the many different kind of um, times when performances didn't happen or they wouldn't speak to each other for a long time because there does seem like there was a very strong 
bond between the two of them. Um, Which is, seems to be back now because like, they are putting yeah. out a new album in a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. Have you listened to the new singles? No. Fucking awful. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, Dave, they I finally nailed it. It's music. It's what music was meant to but be. What about, what about Craig Fitzpatrick and his, his long-time love of the band and his constant declarations that, that they're actually very good and they're very good songwriters? I'm putting words in his mouth now, but I assume he thinks this way because he's a fan of the band. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's that he's a... Oh, sorry, I was about to say maybe it's because he's a bit older than me and like would have been kind of a bit more... <laughs> able to go along not go along with it geez that sounds bad as well but like he would have maybe kind of understood it a bit more maybe had a bit more of a punk sensibility a bit laddish to him. as well isn't it you yeah know? but like I really liked you know like Arctic Monkeys a bit more of a sanitised laddish thing kind sure. of when they broke out um, but yeah they are one do you like Arctic Monkeys now? hate them the top of the impression that is uh, Libertines my number five okay it's a strong choice and I'm not going to fight you on it uh, our first choice for number five is an artist who actually has been mentioned on this episode already. So let's uh, let's have it, Adam. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine, do the bumps of dime in your prime. That's right. It's number five. It's the big Zim. It's Bob Dylan. Big Zim. Isn't that he's gold? There right. he goes, Zara. That's our choice. Uh, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't actually do that to a Bob Dylan super fan. It would be a mean thing to do. Can we have our actual number five, please? Thank you. Imagine I did slip. Step out of your toga and into the folk. You are a prince on the ocean. In a pitch, in the sky. Why, it's a. Uh... <laughs> World weary troubadour Dan Behar, aka Destroyer, uh, taking the spot of our number five this week. Uh, actually, no, that's no, just a gag. <laughs> yeah. I quite like Destroyer. If episodes uh, still had titles, and that was, it, I can't tell if you guys are joking. Is that your number five? No, 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 no okay. No. It, if it was Dave's Revenge, yeah, episode that was a title. callback to uh, a couple of years ago. Everybody, <laughs> let's move on in the spirit of friendship. Our actual, genuine, no gag number five. This is our number five. I took every fiddle for me, love to play a tune, and in the middle of the tune, she smiled and she said, "Oh my Johnny, oh my Johnny, don't you leave me." She stepped out, I stepped in again, I stepped out, and she stepped in again, she stepped out, I stepped in again, learning the lads for Lanigan's ball. She stepped out, I stepped out, it's Teddy C, oh my baby, be good to me. Be good to me. Be good to me. When you get me all alone, you show me the. Why, yes, it is Tullamore's finest, Chasing Abbey, who of course pipped Tandem Felix to the RT Choice Music Prize Song of the Year back in 2016 with their first ever single, That Good Thing. Um, yeah, listen, I mean, I, I've kind of been in this band's orbit in a weird way. In that I remember working in Joe and they were in the office once or their manager was or something and I was just like, I don't I, I, I don't quite get it. Um, and now they're doing like trad Yes. Uh, mixed with, I guess, dance. It, and... They've coined the genre trad house. Right. Like, I don't have any, like, hard bullets to fire here. I just don't understand them. Neither do I. I don't, like, I don't understand what this is. I don't, like, I, d- I just can't 
connect at all, at all with this. Like, I think the earlier stuff had a time and place because it was very, like, it was the the house wave, like the 90s house wave with those kind of Corgan 1 sounds were really starting to come back around the time of 2016, 2017. So they were riding the crest of a wave back then and I could see why there was a success. So I got it in that sense. Still didn't really like it. But like this like this new Trad House mm-hmm. stuff like I don't get it they just signed a deal with Spin and Records who are a big dance label like a really big dance label and like it just feels like a really cynical cash grab to me I don't massively yeah. I, I don't get it at all it's like it's it's TikTok mm. it, it's TikTok all over like it's got viral content written all over it 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 feels like it just feels super cynical I don't get it I but, can't I can't understand if I don't like know how they could think this is like high art. Do you know what I mean? The TikTok thing though, like like is I, I think is increasingly visible in terms of seeing cynical trend chasing and look no further than Laboom. Have you seen Laboom lately? Um I have seen Laboom lately, yes. So Laboom, for anyone who isn't paying paying attention, used to be this kind of dance group and now it's just a really very obvious, very transparent, diet as fuck watered down for those I love impression. And it's bad. I'm not keen on I'm not keen on the vocal stuff. Like that it it just doesn't that doesn't do it at all for me. I think Christy by himself is a great producer. And I think when Christy and Amy were doing it together it was it was A one stuff. Like I it, the live shows were electric. Um, the live shows are still great. They're just they're in the round now. I think um, Christy tends to do if he can, but I yeah that I don't know what it is. Is it maybe the like Irish in me cringing at hearing like the Navan accent doing the spoken word thing? I don't know. Like I, it just it's not for me either at mm. all. Yeah, but back to Jason Abbey. I mean, like you know, it's like I like I've no problem with them. It's it's not for me, and that's fine. But I just I like. I can't, I can't escape the kind of, uh, the cynical nature you're talking about. And like, in fairness, like, you know, they were on a bit of a, they were on, they were on a bit of a, m- a momentum run back in 2019 or so. I remember they had to cancel an Olympia show due to illness. And like, I hope, I hope everything's okay with them and all. But like, this kind of resurgence. And they were actually like, uh, they were the first musical guest on The Late Late Show mm-hmm. under Patrick Keelty. Yeah, you text me about it. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. I remember I tweeted out about it and then I went, you know what? I don't. I, I I don't need the smoke. <laughs> like I was yeah. just like, no, I I don't need people coming after me for this. It's fine. Yeah. But like, look, I wish them well. I'm just like, I just think that like, like I think I think it's terrible, and I just I, I can't understand the appeal. But again, it could be more of a me problem. It could be much for much younger TikTok influence demographic. This is this is exactly it, and I think that's why I don't get it, or why maybe we don't get it. <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but like I do think it's not a, it's not for us. Mm. It's like it's aimed at an like uh, for for example, I know that. Chase and Abby were one of the guests at the two Johnny's Three Arena show recently. That's the Shoot audience. Shoot me in the fucking but head. That's, but that's the audience. Mm. And that is not me. I also think, like, listening to that Supercut, um, it really reminds me of maybe it's, like, this generation's uh, Gale talked kind of music. Oh, 100%. And also, like, yeah. just even, like, with the 90s kind of callback to, like, a lot of the beats that they're using, it reminds me of, like, your friend who gets their driving license first and you just spend, a lot, like, the summers driving around blasting tunes. Like, it reminds me of that. And I think, like, it doesn't do anything for me either. Uh, also, don't have my driving 
driving license, so it wouldn't do, <laughs> do much for me. Um, but yeah, it reminds me, it kind of feels to me that it's for that kind of demographic, like teenagers coming into their own life experiences. And look, they'll have that communal thing, but then they'll go off and they'll listen to Big Zim. And, and then they'll destroy find your, and yeah, destroy course, and they'll yeah. find in that order. Yeah. Much more sophisticated stuff, of course. Yeah. No, listen, I mean each to their own, just not for me. And that's what this top five is about. It's not about, yeah. it's not about like saying everything is terrible. Yeah. It's and, about, and again, I know I probably came across a little bit strong there when I was saying it did feel cynical and own it, Adam. Crowd, but I stand by. I did by a fucking it. drive by in Laboom. Okay, we're not editing that out. So, like, <laughs> so you're not sensing yourself either. This isn't, you know. The Late Late Show. <laughs> anyway, Zara, number four, please. Uh, okay, so the Libertines, I think, were an easy kind of settler. And now I feel like each of my choices could potentially get my uh, credentials of music journalism in taken away from me one by one. Um, this uh, band in particular, I really just... They should appeal to me because they are just... So much scandooch, so much drama, so much lore, and I just think so much bore. Can I, can I try and guess who this is? Yeah, go for it. Is it the Rolling Stones? No. Damn it. Of course, made famous by Guardians of the Galaxy, that is The Chain by yeah. Fleetwood Mac. Single-handedly Zara- responsible for the success of Fleetwood Mac. Zara, that song is amazing. Yeah, and that's why I picked it, because, uh, yeah, it's a great song. I don't get it. Um, I, not to be that person, but I prefer Tusk. I think Tusk is a bit more of an interesting one. I was listening to Tusk, which came directly after Rumours, is, uh, I think, still the most expensive album ever made, recorded. Um yeah, rumors. I have tried so many times. So, wait, so sorry. many times. Are you picking the, the album rumors specifically by Fleetwood Mac or are you picking Fleetwood Mac? Fleetwood as a whole? Mac. Okay. I think. Um, this does surprise me. Yeah. Because uh, you love your 70s I vintage do. Heartland stuff. Which is know? why I should adore my, this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, rumors. I've tried so many times to like get into it and let it kind of wash over me because yeah, there's so many uh, quote unquote amazing songs on it. Uh, Dreams go your own way. Uh, the chain. Uh, oh, secondhand news. All that kind of stuff. Great songs that a lot of people love. Me, no. Um, it just to me when I hear it, and actually funny we mentioned Jackson Maine, that guitar riff at the start just really you hear that and you're just like, ladies and gentlemen, Jackson Maine. Um it just to me is now a bit pub music, it's karaoke, it's stock music. I also think that like when I go to rumors and I try and try again to like get into it. I just think it's a good album. Yeah, that's undeniable. But I think it is the level of success as well that it is. And people have this kind of love for Fleetwood Mac because maybe they're kind of a bit more interested in the whole like eruption of what was going on in the band. Like obviously the two couples are breaking up. That's great scandooch. That's going to shift a lot of units. And people are going to want to like... 
decode new things in the song. I don't know. That's just my own kind of posturing to it. Um, it's never done it for me. And even like I love all that kind of drama. I love reading about bands who have had that kind of turmoil. I've never been interested in like like reading about them um, learning about like what went down I actually just don't care <laughs> um, <laughs> but why do you think people do care to such an extent because like, they are notorious both for the music and also as you say the tempestuous behind the scenes I think it also helps that like you have someone who is you know like Stevie Nicks who just looked fabulous as well in the 70s not to be like just pinning it on how she looked like that's obviously very misogynistic no but she also she looked like a star as well yeah exactly she looked other she looked other world like like it's kind of like Debbie Harry it's like Uh, absolutely you know know, the the, the talent is unquestionable but I'm sorry Debbie Harry like would stop you in your tracks you're like that's that's not someone who looks like everyone else yeah no 100% the way they carry themselves as well like it's just like the clothes everything yeah and like just such and of course as well for that time when it was just so male centric Fleetwood Mac were so different in that they had like Christine McVie as well so like these two central women who also are incredibly talented have great voices like as well like listening to Tusk like listening to uh, Stevie Nicks and then Christine McVie kind of like go between songs like they do have great voices and I do like listening to them but I've just yeah I don't know if it's just that people have just been like I love Fleetwood Mac Uh, I love Rumours Rumours is the best album ever and you're like have you listened like where if if I was to go to them okay well I've never really gotten them where else should I go like what other albums should I listen to that might get me into them and they'd be like oh, I don't know I've only ever listened to rumors so there are I feel like even though they have loads of albums and a lot of songs I feel like a lot of people only really go to rumors because it's the most available one it was the most successful one it has so many amazing hits it's accessible as well like isn't it like for, for someone coming in completely blind yeah it's very easy to digest it I think 100% um, and I also think Fleetwood Mac biopic Glenn Harriton as Lindsay Buckingham that's shout that's a great show. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a good yeah. shout. Uh, and also, I, I, I'm Team Lindsay Buckingham, of course, because he collaborated <laughs> with Nine Inch Nails in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> and also, he seems like a total prick, which I, I enjoy. Know. <laughs> I know he seems like such a dickhead. Um, Interesting choice. A band I also never fell in love with myself. Um, yeah. But again, you're much more into that era than I am, so that's why. Uh, that's interesting. And I, I get you. I understand what you mean. Like it, it is kind of like when you're talking about everyone who who quote unquote loves rumors. You know, it's like people who wear Ramones t-shirts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like I love them. Do you? Yeah. And that's fine. You know. Is like is there also an element? And because I, I think this applies to me with like big albums and big bands and stuff like that. That you almost there's like a pressure on you to like it almost or something like that like the Beatles to a degree yeah 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 is is that does that play into it at all do you think or that I feel pressure that I should like them almost like you'd be it'd be frowned upon to not like this band or record yeah I mean I I, I I'm not like I'm sorry I'm not, I'm not scared to say I don't like them um yeah I I get that but like there's just to me like with a lot of what they do there's just not a whole lot of substance to it and like I know it's like interesting subject matter and like um, I think Stevie Nicks wrote which one Dreams from like Sly Stone's Bed apparently so like there's all this kind of like real fascinating stuff it's like fuck like this is juicy shit like 
But no, just even though like she's like d- giving two fingers up to Lindsay Buckingham, he gives her two fingers back on Go Your Own Way. I'm like, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> sort it out in sort it out in the studio and do something a bit more kind of interesting. Or I don't know. Um, it's a fair cop. Um, let's keep it vintage though for our number four, shall we? So I, I just want to say from the outset here, like uh, this is an Adam selection. I just didn't really fight him too hard on it. I like the Rolling Stones. Well, you're the only one, Dave. Um, like I, I, no, you're not the only one. They're obviously massive, massive, massive success. I will say Craig Fitzpatrick will be very happy to hear Painted Black in there because I know that he fucking hates that it's, song. I don't yeah. get it. I don't get that. It feels <laughs> atonal to me. Like I, I just, again, Rolling Stones, something I've never connected with in the same way I think that you didn't connect with Fleetwood Mac and Rumours. Mm. It's like, I don't really, I don't like Mick Jagger's voice. I don't think there's a whole, like musically, I feel like there's not really a lot going on, is there? Like no. it's it's all very straightforward. Okay, there's some some killer riffs, like, you know, that have clearly stood the test of time for a reason. But I just, like, I've never sat down and said to myself, oh, like scrolling through my Spotify or whatever, even my record collection, I'm like, I'm going to listen to the Rolling Stones now. Never once has that happened. I much prefer to cherry pick them. I, they're not an album band for me at all. I, yeah, I, And like, I love all the obvious ones. Yeah, from what I know, largely, I highly doubt they're an album band. Largely yeah. due to cinema, you know, yeah. like fucking Martin Scorsese putting Gimme Shelter in like three of his movies. Mm. Uh, Painted Black is in Devil's Advocate. I enjoy it in that movie. Mm. Of course, Out of Time which is used to stunning effect in the little-known motion picture from 2019 called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> Naturally. Uh, Sympathy for the Devil. It's simplistic and dumb, but I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, Doom and Gloom, which was a recent enough release in the last 10 years. Surprisingly good. Uh, a band I would never care to see live, even in their heyday. They got lots of trash. I kind of like that they exist, and I'd rather listen to them than, yes... The Beatles. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't begrudge them for existing either. I will say that. <laughs> like, that's I think, the benchmark here. I think, yeah. No, I think they're like they were, you know, a cornerstone of their time. People love them. People hang their hat on them still to this day. I think like they're, you know, I'm not saying they're completely talentless. I just don't understand. I don't get it. I can't attach myself to it. But a lot of people can. Uh, 30 studio albums 23 live albums and 12 compilation albums that's all I need to hear over, end the story move on over over 1.5 <laughs> billion dollars in gross revenue in their lifetime as a band 1.5 billion dollars yeah I can, I, I can see it like they're well massive. they've been around since what like 1920 <laughs> <laughs> not quite they're not Aerosmith Adam. <laughs> but no it's like Aerosmith have been around since do you know when they first started 1920 no I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. You guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna look this up because this, this always drives me crazy. Like, Aerosmith have been around for like a, a real long time. So. I always remember because Aerosmith are a real blind spot. Uh, in Good. My, Keep yeah. it that way. Dream on is great. That's uh, about it. Yeah. So they're a real blind spot, and then I was like, maybe I'll have like an Aerosmith 
afternoon and I was like, I'll do the album. What happened in your life? I think, <laughs> I, think I had just watched Wayne's World. <laughs> okay, okay, fair, that's fair enough. And I was like, yeah. if Wayne and Garth love them so much, maybe like I should, maybe it's my time. Get music savants, Wayne and Garth from, Wayne, <laughs> from Wayne's World. Aerosmith formed in 1970. I thought it was before then. <laughs> but they still, that's a lot of decades. The Rolling Stones have been around since 1962. So fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. But uh, dream, dream on. When I heard that, f- like... Why on, did he change his voice? His voice is so good in that I one. genuinely, it, he sounds so, like, uh, untouched by the world that I thought that Aerosmith had a different singer for that first album. So did I. I thought that was a different singer. Yeah. I, I did not think it was Steven Tyler. It's a wonderful song. Anyway, we're not, we could talk about Aerosmith all day, but we're not going to do that. Yes, Sarah, what do you think? Rolling Stones. Well, we could talk about Aerosmith all day. No, we couldn't talk about Aerosmith all day. Here we go. But we could talk about Rolling Stones for a little bit longer. <laughs> I had a feeling. So, so you picked Rolling Stones for your number three as well, have you? Yeah. So hang on, right? Uh, th- like every time I hear this song, which again, like it's it's always fun to to like just isolate the lyrics and be like, that's really creepy. You make a grown Roman man cry. cry. <laughs> so, and once again, I was listening to a podcast there, and they they were talking about that phenomenon, the quote unquote phenomenon of like disgusting songs from like the seventies <laughs> and like stuff where it's you know it, where, remember like remember we we, we, yeah, had that, yeah. we had that Motley Crue Motley before. Crew. And that's was, the worst by a country. And mile. it was something like you know she's fifteen. If you know what. <laughs> I mean, or something like that. You're just like, Jesus Christ. But no, um, Start Me Up always reminds me of the Robert De Niro film, The Fan. Have you seen that film? No. It's exquisite trash. It's a Tony Scott film. It's quite, oh, is it 80s? 90s. 90s. It's like 96, maybe? And it's, Robert De Niro plays a knife salesman who is also a big baseball fan. And Wesley Snipes is the new star player for his team, and Robert De Niro becomes obsessed with him. Uh, but Robert De Niro's character claims to claims to have known the Rolling Stones, or he's obsessed with them for some reason. And there's like scenes of Robert De Niro <laughs> driving around in his baseball gear, listening to this, <laughs> and going like, "Stop me up." You're gonna stop me up. You never know. This sounds like King of Comedy Part it's, Two. Yeah. Um, it's. It's a disgusting film, but oh it's fucking great entertainment. I might watch it tonight. So the Rolling Stones are, what's your, like, uh, I, I was going to say, like, you know, we've now moved to the, the other prosecution. So there's yeah, no yeah. defense for the Rolling yeah, Stones. Like exactly. Mounting cases here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine the Rolling Stones on trial in Anatomy of a Fall in French court. That guy. Well, I think Mick Jagger surely should have been... Oh, he did. He was in court, wasn't he, actually? Let's not talk about any of that. Let's just talk about the music show. No, is it... <laughs> No, I think he was in court because uh, in the 70s for pos- possession of uh, illegal substances, Possession of funk, you know. 
Um, and rock and roll. But sorry, I digress. Uh, and I'll stick in allegedly on that just in case. Thanks. Um, That'll clear us, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great now to be in a job where, I, where we actually have legal in, in-house. in And I'm like, can I say this? And they're like, absolutely not. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> see you later. Uh, so the Rolling Stones are a band. Uh, it does slightly pain me to, uh, to have them on my list because... Uh, my father was a massive Rolling Stones fan and would blare 40 licks on top volume in the house. And I grew up in a bungalow, so there was no escaping this it. This man sounds like a legend. Just going to say that right now. Yeah. He also brought, I think my brother as well was there. He brought me when I was about like 10 or 11 to Cineworld to a Rolling Stones concert film that BP Fallon was in the same screening. It was like an afternoon like screening, very... Uh, uh, innocuous kind of screening, no real reason for BP Fallon to be there. Um, but I was convinced it was a real Rolling Stones concert. And I was like, all right, like I've seen the Rolling Stones live now. That's uh, ticked off the list and then realised, no, cinema doesn't count. Um, they are a band that I grew up having to listen to quite a lot. I hate Mick Jagger's voice. Um, like you were saying, Adam, there's just really not a whole lot of variation in there. It just feels so beige to me. Yeah, and like... <laughs> Sorry, do you hate his voice across the board? Is there Never, ever said! <laughs> yeah, I do. Because I'm thinking of, remember, like, we had that, like... Wild horses! We did Sorry, that, like, that's a bit more Yarl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's like, into Pearl Jam. That's that's right. We had, like, the, the super groups thing recently, and I just think of him in that terrible song with Joss Stone and, like, you know, Damien Marley. Oh, God. And he's like, oh, like, it's all that kind of stuff, you it's know. It's just like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't understand how like people sat, like people sat in a control room, like filled with smoke, no doubt. Like the engineers there being like, how the fuck are we going to make this sound? Good? You're not a smoker, Adam, but I do wonder, as a producer, is there any part of you that would love to go back to the romantic era of the control rooms? Absolutely of the 70s? not. <laughs> Where it's like where ash, everything is yellow, or ash you and cocaine all over the fucking mixing <laughs> no, desk. No, 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 no. Thank you. I like. I find my social battery gets drained quite easily at the best of times. That would send me to the and Adam's biggest vice is just nice coffee and yeah. crisps and, and crisps. crisps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If anyone knows me, you know, yeah. it's just those two things. I need them to live, and that's it. But no, I wouldn't. I would hate to go back to that. I just can't understand how, um, like, someone was sitting there in a the control room and a producer was like, "Yeah, fucking, well, you nailed it. Yeah, absolutely nailed it." I can't understand the word he's saying. Yeah. And give me shout. What's he saying? Okay. Like, <laughs> He's saying it's just uh, a shot away. Yeah, it's ter- but anyway, like even like going back, I again in my old job, especially during the pandemic, when like I'd be in there by myself, door locked. I would use that as an opportunity to be like, okay, I don't really get this artist or this band. I would use that time while I was working to like try and do full afternoons of listening to a certain act to be you, like you literally locked yourself away yeah <laughs> I hope your former boss is listening by the way the productivity must have been through the roof <laughs> oh no it was yeah um, but yeah Rolling Stones I remember I was like okay maybe today's the day that I try it's as you an and adult it's Jagger yeah. yeah I'll crack you one day <laughs> and like I think I listened to Exile on Main Street and I was just like no like nothing here is doing it really for me um, which is annoying because and like again like I'm saying I should really get this band because like 70s rock a big kind of uh, genre and era that I really love um, I was thinking about like albums that were coming out in the 70s at the same time as the Rolling Stones Led Zeppelin you know uh, House of the Holy 73 was listening to that today such a fucking banger Pink Floyd Metal Dark Side 
by the moon even like stuff like Captain Beefheart like and as well like I think with Led Zeppelin uh, Beefheart as well the Rolling Stones and their kind of early iterations were big kind of like taking influence from like the Delta Blues scene um, Rolling Stones very much ribbing from that very kind of uh faithfully-ish I guess in the early kind of days putting a bit of a garage rock-ish twist to it but like Led Zeppelin had that same influence and they just I feel like used the studio a lot more interestingly and yeah. effectively and yeah. kind of they experimented more too yeah they pushed themselves a bit more whereas it just felt like the Rolling Stones went into the studio want like put down a few tracks then just were like gearing out to get out to like just go party in some London hotel like well what I kind of feel about it is that the role so I'm gonna just like draw a a slight comparison here so the Beatles did their thing in the early days where they had the covers and Mm. they just they just banged out the covers and people loved it Mm. but then they took a step and they went somewhere I think the Rolling Stones just stuck on that path and they never really pushed pushed past that certain threshold that the Beatles did, I think. Yeah. All right, listen, we could talk about the Rolling Stones all day, yeah. much like Aerosmith, but instead we're going to move on to our next one. So this is our number three then, is it? Three, yeah. uh, the, the timeline ha- hath confused me a little bit. Uh, our number three, definitely a different era of music, and another Adam lead pick. Let's go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mark Ronson and all of his musings that you heard. What do we uh, have there? Uptown Funk? We had Uptown Funk, a collaboration with Bruno Mars. We had the uh, cover of the Zootons' Valerie by Mark Ronson and Amy Winehouse. And we had uh, Dance the Night by Dua Lipa, which was written for the movie Barbie by Mark Ronson. I'm surprised, by Mark surprised Ronson. that you threw your beloved Dua Lipa under the bus there. I don't like that song and I think it's entirely because it's got Mark Ronson written all over it. It just, I, like, his songwriting style is something that I just, I, I categorically do not like. I will say, as a producer, I think Back in Black is pretty, unde- or Back to Black is pretty undeniable by mm. Amy Winehouse. Like, that is a great record. Like, I his production style for that, it was of a time, it was like the perfect synergy between producer and artist. And that happens rarely and that was one of those moments where it was lightning in a bottle and someone put the lid on it. And we have that record forever and that's absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, he's record producer and remixer. Um, that was his production breakthrough um, back to black in 2006. Um, his international breakthrough, as I suppose kind of a solo artist, came through off the back of Valerie with Emmy Winehouse in 2007. Um, followed, How much money do we reckon the Zootons have made off that song? I hope a lot. I hope a lot. I'd say it's bought a few houses for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'd say it's paying for, Would you say paying it's for a lot of college tuitions. Hundreds of millions? No. 
No. No. Oh. Mm, it, in tens, I it's think. Not, tens. Tens. Okay. That's probably too much as well. But, you know, again, someone can tell us. Write in, everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's uh, no show at and at no encore show. Box, at no yeah. encore show on uh, <clears throat> Instagram. Um, yeah, so follow-up singles include Uptown Funk alongside Bruno Mars in 2014. We heard that at the start of the clip, um, which went to the top of the Billboard charts in 2015. Um, he also co-wrote Shallow for the Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga movie, A Star Is Born. This episode has just been leading up to this man's top five how, feature. How do you feel now, Zara? Um, okay. I did not know that he co-wrote that song. Yeah, no, I didn't did know I. that either. I no. didn't know it either until I um, did a deep dive on his Wikipedia page, which is uh, several you know minutes of my life I'll never get back. Um, Nepo Baby Alert. He is the stepson of foreigner guitarist Mick Jones. Yeah. Stop. What a what a what a pedigree. And yeah. do you know he's married to Meryl Streep's daughter at the moment? I did not know that. Yeah. Which one? Mamie Gummer? Grace Gummer? That's her name, isn't it? I think I, it, don't know. I think it's Grace. Grace. One of them is in the newsroom, the best television show of all time. So Still haven't watched it. Oh man, you're missing it. I know. I know. It. It's so bad. Um, he's so eight, bad. This man has eight Grammy Awards. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Oh, sorry, they gave out fucking Grammys for turning up. Like, I mean, come on. I, I, I thought he'd have minimum eight Grammys. I don't have, like, a list of what the Grammys are. That's but, right. Uh, I can imagine Uptown Funk is one. I think Shallow is definitely one. Uh, Back to Black has to be one. Uh, Valerie, I think, is probably one as well. Um, he put like he put out Zone Record. You said there was, like, a song, you Nothing Breaks Like a Heart by, with Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that record, have you listened to that record? No. I can't even remember what it's called. It's, like, God. Doesn't he have, he's Mark Ronson in the Business International or something? Like, yeah, like that's, that's, like, that's, like, one, that's a different thing. And he it? has a new thing. It's not, it's, like, it's not Silk Sonic. It's, like, something like that. Um, is I can't remember if it was the name of a group How he had back in the he day. Met? He was, he's, like, I'm gonna 40-ish, guess like forty-two yeah, now. Like some, t- he's in his forties, I think. Yeah, that I interviewed him a few years ago. Uh, it was for like a commercial thing, but he was actually surprisingly more forthcoming than I thought he would be. Even though like he was on a terrible phone line, and also uh, he clearly just got out of bed. But uh, you know, he was kind of answering some greatest hits questions to my surprise. Uh, he's forty-eight, by the way. Forty-eight. Um, yeah. Jesus. He doesn't look a day over thirty-five. And he's like. married to Grace Gummer. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, but no, yeah, like uh, it's all a bit plastic to me. That's it. it that's exactly yeah. it. It feels like it was te- like it's it's rehashes of old hits from that worked in like the seventies and eighties. Mm. And it's like Silk City. Silk City. There that's what it is. Jesus. There you go. So he's been around for a long time, but um, I just. I don't get it. Like, uh, like so I said, I do. Think Meryl Streep is his mother-in-law. That's wild. Yeah, like, yeah and his fa- and his stepfather's, uh, yeah, uh, Mick Jones from Farner. Um, but yeah, it's like I have to say, like credit where credits due. I think the production on Back to Black is just yeah. completely undeniable. Like objectively fantastic. Yeah. Um, so what don't you get? Like, like, like you you understand the appeal. You understand these the success. And I will say as well. Um, I have no real dog in the fight here. It doesn't bother me too much. Uh, I remember when I went to see wrestling before and there was like a, 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 a trio's tag team. It was Will Ospreay, the late Ryan Smile, and Leo Rush. And they for the night, they were the Uptown Funkers. And they came out to the song and like the place went fucking apeshit. Like, I'm like, in that setting, yeah, it worked. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, I have more of a problem with Bruno Mars than Mark Ronson, I think. Uh... No, I have less of a problem with Bruno Mars, I think. I, like, I, I think Mark Ron... My gripe is Mark Ronson as an artist I, and 
and a songwriter, I think as a producer, he stands on his own merits. Mm. But I think as a songwriter and an artist, I'm not into it. Do you feel like maybe it's just that he's real kind of, especially coming from something like Back to Black and as you're saying, like it was such a lightning in a bottle moment with Amy Winehouse. Do you feel that like afterwards, because that gave him such a platform and everyone wanted to work with him, that he then just kind of really chased success and kind of compromised any kind of vision that he might have and just was looking for more? He got high off the thrill of like being the producer of the day or something? Yeah, I mean, like there's probably an element to that, but I also don't know if he sacrificed anything. I think he, Mm. I think that's genuinely just what his output is. And look, fair enough, you know, if that kind of like lounge jazz bar kind of thing is what you really like and infusing it with funk and stuff like that and strings and disco and all of this. Like, I love all of that stuff, but this is just like a real, like, milk toast version to me. Yeah. Um, okay, so my number two then? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, okay, so this artist, uh, Elton John, cited as being a huge part in his rebirth when he became sober. Um, Kirk Hammett uh, listed this artist as an influence on Master of Puppets. Uh, loads of people love her. I am probably going to be absolutely, I don't know, shunned. Uh, to a whole other part of the world for saying that I just do not get this artist. It's you and me. It's you and me. The unhappy and only good. I'd make a deal with God. And I can just walk out loses. They're running on that road. They're running on that hill. They're running on that building. Did the most recent season of Stranger Things mean nothing to you, Zara? <laughs> Kate Bush, didn't, really? Didn't watch it, mate. Um, <laughs> even just listening to that clip of Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, uh, I just hear Alan Part- Partridge. Wow, I think it's an, I think it's a perfect song. And actually, when I was revisiting this song, and I have to say, Kate Bush was an immediate in my list. Okay. Um, uh, when I was revisiting Run Up That Hill to cut a clip for this, I was listening to it and I was just like, I really thought that this had a bit more drama or Oomph, payoff yeah. to it. Um, Have you heard the placebo version? Yes. Yeah. I, which, which is mournful, but I think it's a great cover. <laughs> I kind of do prefer the placebo. Interesting. I think I do. That's one of the rare, rare. I do kind of enjoy that a bit more. Is, I that also, because, is that because of your emotional attachment because they use it for a video package for Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25, 26? <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly, exactly. why Zara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 My beloved <laughs> Undertaker. Yes. <laughs> Dun, dun. Doesn't he have that music? Dun, dun. Yeah. yeah, he also has a podcast now, and he's a fucking Blue Lives Matter you know, Trump yeah, psychopath. Yeah. So fuck him. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to Kate Bush. Yeah, uh, Kate Bush. Uh, when I was a child, again. Sorry. When I was a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really walked myself yeah, into that the one. There's the social clip. There's the social clip. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I can't say that sentence again. But when I was younger, um. Definitely Wuthering Heights. I used to parody for my brother and my sisters. I used so did I. I, I hated to, I that I used song. to take it off and they'd be like, do the dance. And I'd be like, no, not uh, now. Yeah, I, I parodied um, the vocals just for the record. But I did I, the I, vocals too. 
I just, and then as I got older, I was like, okay, this is maybe someone that I should be getting into. I think I remember getting a copy of The Kick Inside. Someone gave it to me. They were moving somewhere. I got a copy of it for free anyway. Um, And I remember listening to it once or twice and being like, yeah, this is okay. But like, there's just... And this is, okay, this is another element of her music, which is like, it. this should speak, her music should speak to me so much because like, she's informed by like loads of literary influences, obviously Wuthering Heights, as we mentioned, uh, Peter Reich's autobiography, A Book of Dreams inspired, I think it was a cloud busting. Cloud busting. Um, she's into like horror films, like a lot of her songs are quite dark in their material. Again, I should be really loving that because I do love an old dark story. Um, she also loves like different kind of comedy. She loves Monty Python, Fawlty Towers, The Young Ones. Um, all things that I really like and I do love when artists put that in their songs. But for me, I think it was just, it's always just been a bit too music theatre. It's as art, opposed, an art installation. Yeah, as yeah. opposed to actually making me feel like I'm listening to something that's... Uh, quite vivid in how it represents itself in my head or something um her vocals like don't necessarily grate on me like her vocals have never really been an issue for me it's always I think like the production like the production has always just kind of lacked a bit or something for me um it doesn't have that kind of magic and again I have tried so many times to listen to like Hounds of Love the Dreaming never done it for me I do you prefer the future heads version of hands of love kind of do yeah <laughs> wow yeah hey, it's a great cover yeah um future heads my god i forgot yeah. about them they're uh, great oh uh, uh, when uh, was it child uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry they're not welsh <laughs> <laughs> jesus um yeah and like i've had so many like kind of late night um post a few pints kind of conversations with people who are diehard Kate Bush fans and be like I don't get it like I really don't think she's that interesting and I'll just get the head bitten off me like bitten off you that's a bit weird is she too precious and are fans of hers a bit too fucking like oh we're in a little cult now isn't it nice um I don't I think yeah some part of the fandom does kind of put me off but like it doesn't put me off enough to like completely disregard her life's work um and like now that I'm a bit older and a bit wiser I would hope um I try not to let that stuff kind of cloud cloud bust my uh (laughs) I'm really on fire here tonight uh I try not to let that stuff influence me and that's when you know I continue like I do continuously try to go back and listen to Kate Bush and try to understand it but when Running Up That Hill became massive again was it last year or the year before? Two years ago Stranger Things when that became big again I was in hell like I (laughs) really really did not like having that like thrown at my face all the time but then they also they they put Master Puppets by Metallica in the finale and then that became the new one so that's more up your street yeah um, yeah, I, I think famously it, super fan Metallica, Metallica super fans are ahead of me. Obey your master, she always says it. I, I think um, I think this is a fair pick. I like Kate Bush, but I would never deign to claim myself as a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know enough of her work. I I've always felt at a remove from it. It's always felt cold to me. It's always felt like an art installation. There's some songs I think are fucking incredible. Um, mm-hmm. This being one of them, I don't like Wuthering Heights. Never kind of did. Never never got it mm-hmm. as, as befits the purpose of this top five. Um, yeah, and I think that's a totally fair opinion to express. But she definitely isn't in that category though. 
of like, what? What's wrong with you? Mm. You don't like Kate Bush. Mm. Like, and like since taboo those... Taboo to say that you don't, like, you know, you don't love her. Yeah, after those few occasions when I was a bit younger and a bit more kind of... Uh, uh, not like foolhardy, but a bit more kind of after a pint or two, being like sheesh, bullish, um, I bullish, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, after a few kind of instances of being like, oh, I don't like Kate Bush. I think she's really bad or whatever, and like just the reaction. I've kind of just gotten to a point where I'm like, oh, there's actually no point. There's literally no point in trying to engage in this kind of conversation because it's just going to go around in a circle. And I'm at this point in my life, maybe when I'm in my forties. Maybe something will happen to me and 50 words for snow will just click. Click, yeah. 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 But for now, it's time to put childish things away. Um, okay. <laughs> well, Brian Lloyd. <laughs> Let's, it's not his quote. Uh, I will bring it back to him every single Can we please time. have our silver medal, uh, Adam, please? Album? Album. Album Adam. <laughs> the worst DJ in, in the Northeast. It's time with Album Adam. Uh, yeah, number two, please. Well, I tell you who won't be paying over 300 euro to see ACDC at Croke Park this summer. 300 euro? There was dynamic pricing. Yeah, people had to pay a lot of money. I think it's sold out. I could be wrong. Uh, it's ACDC, everybody, on the go since 1973. And uh, mostly nonsense, if you ask me. Uh, you know, the last one there is a bit of fun, but it's also just like, I never, I never understood it. I never understood it. Yeah, this is a you pick, by the way. Yeah, should, 100%. Percent, yeah, I just, I've never got, like, it's just like... I understand why people dig them, but I could never find myself in that corner. I just, I hate, I hate the name, the look, the school fucking boy uniforms. I think I hate the vocals so much. Um, it's just annoying screech rock, you know, it's just like, all right, cool. Screech you know. from Save by the Bell. Yeah, I mean, that might be more interesting, but like, yeah, I, I've never, I've never felt compelled to you know, mm. follow them down some kind of rabbit hole, listen to an album from start to finish. Apart from, I think Craig and I reviewed one in recent years and it was fine. It was fine. They're fine. But it's the same thing all over and over and over wor- again. Though, worship it? this band? Never. No, I, I don't know a single person who does, um, but well, it's going to be 80,000 in Croke Park. I will, I will say, like, I will say, a lot of that I imagine is nostalgia buys. Um, I, like, for me, there hasn't been a wedding that I've been at where Thunderstruck hasn't been played and I haven't had the time in my life. So I, I can't say I don't get it because in that moment I absolutely do and I transcend to a completely different planet. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't, it, it's not something I'd I'd throw on. The only other like kind of moment I had with ACDC, I had a moment with ACDC, um, <laughs> the only other moment I had with ACDC was in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 when TNT was in the soundtrack and it was great. Sure. And it yeah. was a real good soundtrack moment for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater franchise. Do you, Very good. Do you enjoy uh, when Tony Stark, you know, listens to them? In, no, boring. In the boring, Iron, boring. In the Iron Man movies? Boring. No? Is that boring? I don't like it. I just, I don't, I don't know what it adds. 
Yeah, that's well. That that's kind of sums it up for me. I don't. I don't know what it adds. I don't get any sense of adventure from this. It just feels so basic. And I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure a guitar player who loves them is like, actually, Dave, it's really intricate. But I'm just like, I just find it boring. Yeah, like I find it dull. I'm like, no fun. Like this is not fun to me. Mm. It's a chore to listen to. Yeah, like you're saying, I've never been like I have such a curiosity to listen to loads of random shit. Like I'll stick on anything just for like oh they're a big band like I'll, I'll see like what the fuss is about or see what they sound like and what they did did they do anything interesting ACDC like you're saying I have never been compelled to be like you know what this afternoon I'm going to have an ACDC day never yeah and I I can't imagine that I feel like I've heard everything in one song that's like, exactly like, yeah. it's so surface level yeah. and it's just like, uh, like there's, it's, there's it's, nothing more here they're I, just I've circling heard. around the same idea yeah. in every song but they have sold millions oh and yeah. millions. I have some stats would you like to hear <laughs> sure. them yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. okay so they currently hold the record for the sixth largest concert ever attended 1.6 million people in Moscow in 1991 how is that possible it's I have no idea. I, it could. Oh, actually, it was a, it was a triple header. Do you know who it was with? Phil Collins. No. Nope. Uh, Metallica. Yes, that's one. Who was the other one? Uh, is, um, Slayer. No. Nope. Megadeth. Close. Anthrax. No. Nope. Pantera. Yes. Whoa! Oh my God. Yeah. Triple header. One point six million people. Again, if you're, if you're the one point six million person, what are you seeing? Where are you? Uh, how many yeah. screens? The other like, side of the city? Like, I, I think it was on some kind of airfield. Um, that is. I remember. I did look. I did look at this earlier today. But yeah, it was a triple header with, with those bands. Yeah. Sounds horrendous. Yeah, and uh, as of twenty twenty three, the bands uh, RIAA, so the Recording Industry Association of America, U.S. sales uh, figures from sales figures from seventy five million making ACDC the fifth best-selling band in US history and the tenth best-selling artist, full stop. How did this happen? Selling more albums than Pink Floyd and Mariah Carey. <laughs> the RIA also cer- certified Back in Black as 25 times platinum. <laughs> I mean, fair that's play. 25 million, million sales in US, uh, yeah, US sales, which makes it the fourth best-selling album so just of all do the time. most basic riffs imaginable. How are... Angus, what's his surname? Angus Young. How are his vocal cords? Angus Young isn't the vocalist. Oh, Angus Young is the guitarist. Ah, Brian Jones is the ah, is the. um, That's where my literally like lack of interest. I know Angus Young. Yeah, just assumed he was the. See, they actually would like. Funnily enough, they they've got a. Well, it's not funnily enough. It's actually quite tragic. Like they have a bit of a. Storied Brian past Johnson, as well. Brian way. Johnson, sorry, yeah, not yeah. Brian Johnson, not Brian Johnson. Um, and then there was there was Bon Scott as well. Bon Scott was the, no longer with us. Of was course. the original frontman, yeah, who passed away due to acute alcohol poisoning in 1980. 1980. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Brian Johnson was brought in by the band because they'd heard about him playing in a different band. I think Bon Scott actually had told Angus and Malcolm Young about uh, Brian. And then he was asked to join the band and he's been in the band ever since. Wow. Yeah. But like there must be some kind of upkeep to like your vocals doing that like. Well, you would think so, but like it's on surface level, it's hard to understand how that man still has a voice. Yeah. Like I can imagine he probably sounds like he smokes about 60 cigarettes a day. But um, yeah, they're still going strong. They had a hiatus from 2015 to 2017. Not long enough. That's, ge- uh, that's genuinely the truth. That's the only time they've been inactive. And is this tour 
is this the f- fi- finale? Like, is this the farewell? I think uh, it's being. Is it being panned? Is it? I think it is. I, thought, yeah, that, I, think. I don't believe in farewells when it comes to bands, especially metal bands. Slayer came out of retirement today, like to announce themselves for two festivals, having hung it up in 2019. I think it was. It was like or 2020, whenever it was, before the pandemic, I believe. It was like the farewell tour. That's it. Good night. And now it's like, yeah, we need some money, guys. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like these things are all like they are all a case of like if this band is that old, you know, because they have been around for a long time. Yeah. Right. Been around for 50 years. Like, sorry, 51 years this year. And they like it has to be a cash grab. It has to be. Of course it is. But that, that's fine. Like, 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 that's the career. Like, like you are an industry. I don't mind that too much, yeah. you know. And, like, they're probably not as bad. Uh, I'm sure there's always a ton of merch, but, like, they're not exactly, like, they're hardly Metallica, you know, who are yeah. fucking hilarious in how they do it. And Kiss, Jesus Christ. Well, it, this is the thing. I was one, I think they'll probably do the hologram thing. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I think they'll do it. They'll probably all do it. Yeah. Mm. It's, probably, it's, it's grandfathered in now. Anyway, can we have your number one, please? Okay. This one. Uh, nail in the coffin I think um, who knows might lose friends over this um, wouldn't be the first time <laughs> might lose a career over this one um, but uh, like I said with Kate Bush I don't find her voice annoying with this person their voice absolutely pierces my brain and ears Canada oh Canada I would still be on my feet. Let me tell you, listeners, I wasn't lying. Those headphones came off. And can I just say, this is going to be an amazing contrast to our number one. No. <laughs> you uh, have no idea what Zara, you're in for. Zara, the floor is yours. Uh, Joni Mitchell, Case of You. Um, that is from her album Blue, I believe, uh, 1971. Probably your most famous one. Um, I cannot stand Joni Mitchell. Uh, can't stand her voice. Can't stand her lyrical style. Whenever I see her crop up in a film or a documentary from the seventies, um, the last waltz when she does Coyote, it really ruins the whole film for me. Almost, um, I can't stand her. I really, really cannot stand her. Um, it kind of also as well goes beyond like her music I think she seems like the things I've read in interviews and stuff that she's done I don't think she seems like the nicest of pe- people either Can you get an example? Um, she calls Madonna in 19 19- Madonna is a massive fan of Joni Mitchell and was like and I will say I must preface this this has an asterisk because on one of those long afternoons of trying to get into her again the one album that I was like oh actually fuck this is actually a bit decent like didn't expect this is Court and Spark uh, from 1974 and it's a real outlier uh, outlier um, in her discography it doesn't really sound like how Joni Mitchell typically sounds it doesn't really sound like Case of You or anything like that Um, it's kind of an interesting album but I don't return to it that much because I'm like okay I've listened to it once or twice I know I like it 
that's fine. Um, but Madonna is a massive fan and was just like in an interview in like the 90s saying how like she loves Court and Spark, she loves Joni Mitchell, she knows all the words of her songs. Joni Mitchell's kind of retort to this was calling Madonna a terrible role model, um, called her a whore as well. Um, she said that she's got that whore Madonna thing built into her. Uh, she's like a living Barbie doll, but a bit but a little bit on the blue side, there's always been that type of female. There's always been a market for it. Uh, but the danger is that she thinks she's a role model and it's a terrible role model. It's a death to all real things. It's like... Bit much. Bit much. Um, and also, like, Madonna is, like, legendary. And, like, especially during that time was, like, such an exciting artist for, like helping women with the album like erotica like helping women kind of not feel ashamed to embrace that side of their personality and on like such a platform of like the music industry as she was and she was so big uh there's also a little um element to Joni Mitchell's uh life and artistry uh Dave I'm not too sure if you know about this in the 70s Adam do you know about this uh we're about to find out Joni Mitchell is part talking about a blackface Oh no! Oh, Did she? Cool. Was it for like a political protest or something? No. Well, just for fun. Yeah. So. Is this true? We're not. We're not. We're not about to get like slandered li- no. like libel. Okay. No. Uh, and an album cover, Don Juan's uh, "Reckless Daughter." She is in blackface. What's the point? Um. So she said it start. So she actually went. She embodied this character quite a lot in the late 70s. It started off with a Halloween party where um, she was walking down the street and she was looking for a costume idea and she saw a group of like black men on the street and she's like, they look like they're having a great time and they're dressed really nice. I'm just going to use that as my costume. Uh, she has also said in interviews, there's a quote from her um, that she said, when I see black men sitting, I have a tendency to nod like I'm a brother. I really feel an affinity because I've experienced being a black guy on several occasions. She said that too, I think New York magazine. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sorry, um, I've just looked this up on Google Images and I'm trying not to burst a laugh because it's so unbelievable. Yeah. The the character as well had a name. Uh, the Sorry, the persona of when she was in this character was Art Nouveau. Why is this not a bigger story? Maybe it is, and I've just missed it for the most part. I feel like I've, I feel like I've ran past this story once or twice, but like, uh, like yeah, like the Telegraph have a story here from twenty twenty three saying yeah. the strange story behind Johnny Mitchell's blackface. Mitchell used her alter ego, a black male pimp, to push against critics who diminished her gender because she didn't quote unquote feel white. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Why is she so revered and this is fine? I don't know. There must have been criticism. There must have been. So I know it was a different time backwards. period. Yeah. I know it was a different time period, but she is like, she is revered. Yeah, but even yeah. the reasons why feel like totally contradictory, no? Like, yeah. it just, I don't, I don't get it. I w- if we could go back briefly just to the clip we heard. Mm. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know why you don't get this. And the reason is, I think that it's very similar to Bob Dylan. Yeah. What is it about the voice? That's what it's like the the timing and the like the way you know the way like Bob Dylan kind of like mm. he he'll spill his lyrics over a short period of time that might not necessarily be in like a particular structure. I mm. feel like Joni Mitchell is like another prime example of someone who does that. Mm. And I think it's so intrinsically linked to the Bob Dylan sound. I just don't know why. 
I, think, I, can't, I can't like marry those two things up you know what I mean yeah I think with Joni Mitchell for me it's a tone like a, it literally is a tonal thing like her voice the tone of it re- the, the high pitchiness of it I just can't I just find it too much grating. like I find it very grating yeah um, that song is just one example of it uh, Big Yellow Taxi as well I find the kind of gymnastics that she does with her vocals just really um just really overwhelming sometimes and very just irritating like generally just like irritating I just kind of find like nails on a chalkboard um and then even like with her like her guitar playing is nice I do like the instrumental elements to some of her music and that has been the part that has always been what makes me want to give her another try because it is like as I said earlier like 70s and 60s like music is a huge kind of um part that I love and will always kind of return to when I'm not working it's generally the area that I do go to um, and like I said that Court, Court and Spark album is so cool and it's so interesting but it's not very indicative of her whole career um, and then there's also like I kind of wonder sometimes like why I don't like her so much when you know she has nice kind of poetic ways of writing lyrics and I really like say Leonard Cohen, Bob Dylan as well, in a different way. Um, Bob Dylan is a bit more kind of veiled in how he kind of writes his songs. So there's a bit more, not like work, but there's a bit more of a kind of, leave. it leaves you with a bit more to think about sometimes, I think. Um, I don't necessarily always like for artists to directly tell me how they feel and how I should feel kind of listening to their music as well. I don't have the soul of a white woman, she once told. <laughs> she once told LA Weekly, I write like I write like a black poet. I frequently write from a black perspective. Um, there's another part where she goes, the black press gets it. I'm not a folk musician. Uh, this is in 2000, she said. I'm much more related to Miles Davis. There's a quote here from uh, Sheila Weller, Sheila Weller, who wrote a book called Girls Like Us, saying, quote, Joni romanticized being black without the disadvantages. She would increasingly insist that her music was, quote unquote, black, and that as it progressed deeply into jazz, it should be played on black stations, but it rarely was. Um, it's kind of wild that this is just there in the background. Mm. Um, but I guess others have said she wasn't demeaning black people, but celebrating them. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I yeah. questionable to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like when I found that out, like only a couple of years ago, uh, I was so shocked as to how it's not more of a thing that's talked about or um, people even kind of being aware of um and yeah I just I do find the fandom around her really strange um maybe that is the one uh, like I said earlier like I feel like I'm trying to get a bit more kind of mature of how I approach artists and not let external things like fandoms annoy me but I think it's so hard though isn't it yeah it's like because they are quite they're so intrinsically linked with yeah, each other I think the Joni Mitchell one is the one that I struggle to maybe shake yeah. so yeah Joni Mitchell my uh, number one that's fair well Dave we have someone at number one who I think has done more for race relations maybe in a positive sense than Joni Mitchell by the sounds of things and also just in terms of just music in general and as an artist like, like uh, we might not get this but I totally understand why the world over remains obsessed with the music of this man. I am Titanium, you shoot me down, 
Adam, did you have to put Kid Cudi in the Mega Mix? Hey, he's uh, he's an accessory. <sighs> At least you topped it up with uh, Akon's greatest moment there. But we're not talking about him or Sia or Cudi. Who are we talking we're about? We're talking about David Guetta. Pierre David Guetta yep. of France. The fucking worst man of all time. <laughs> Like, that's a, that's an extreme statement. I, like no, this guy has like Will I am. Like, is it Will I am? Yes, it is Will I am. He has haunted me everywhere <laughs> I go. David Guetta, I cannot get away from him. A coronavirus cannot, lockdown couldn't keep him away. You from cannot me. get oh, gosh, away yeah. from him. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did put up a tweet like several years ago when I still used the platform, and it was a place for good and generally good laughs, and not just uh, hell hole. Um, I put up David Guetta life. And David get away from me. Nice, <laughs> with her too, and they did quite well. Top tier. Yeah, in fairness, to get a, he came into his own in the coronavirus lockdown. Yeah, and we have a clip of that. Did I mentioned, like? yeah, please. I, I, I did mention that he's done a lot for race relations, and uh, let's remind ourselves: cast your 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 eyes and ears back to 2020. It was a frost time. You could say it still is, but one man stood up, and that man is David Guetta. Hi, people. United at home. The world is going through difficult times. And America too, actually. So, last night, I knew we were going to do this. And I made a special record. So this record is in honor of George Floyd. And I really hope we can see more unity and more peace when already things are so difficult. So, shout out to his family. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. You two bombshells entering the Love Island villa. Oh, I will my never, God. I'll never miss an opportunity to play that clip. It's the, it's simultaneously the best and worst thing that's ever happened in the history of music. Like it's shout out to, shout out to, like there's so many quotable moments. Uh, uh, when I knew we were going to do last this last night, last night I, I knew, knew we were going to do this. Like so, I made a special record. Uh, uh, the world is going through some hard times right now, and America, America too, too, actually. Yeah. Also, the fucking the, the sickness of that beat yeah, at the yeah. end. Never has come uh, coming together moment slapped so hard. <laughs> so you haven't seen that video, Zara. He's so on good. he's on top of a building. I've seen pictures of yeah. it. Yeah, he's I in New York. He's in New York, I think. And it yeah. was like a charity oh thing. And he's live streaming from he's live streaming DJ set from like the top of like the Chrysler building or something in New York. But Adam, do you not appreciate that though? I mean, we're not going to get the, that. I from think the sentiment. Just anyone else? Not, not your beloved Skrillex, for example. I think know? the sentiment. It, like this. This is the thing. He fully believes that this is like oh momentous perfect. and the most empathetic thing anyone yeah could ever he's do. like I yeah. the, I will return I fucking to, nailed it I like, will yeah. return to France and there will be a giant bronze statue yeah. of me at Charles de Gaulle <laughs> airport like it, it, but he has been a plague on dance music for a, like a de- two decades he has been like 
there's the video clips of him saying about when he was in the studio with Daft Punk and stuff. I guarantee you they didn't want him there and he was just <laughs> leeching off them, probably plug it, charging his fucking laptop or something. Um, oh my God, I love this form of Adam. Absolutely terrible. David Guetta, like, uh, number one with a bullet from like day one. He was just always, he's this like s- such a massive like critical acclaim and we'll get to that in a minute but also like (laughs) but also the success he's had in terms of like numbers alone he's like a a lot of those songs that you heard there were from the same album called One Love which came out in like I don't know 2006 maybe 2007 special album it was a double album special yeah Um, give me one sec now I'm actually going to tell you exactly when it came out so um, double album because like there's just so much you can't cut anything like it's all gold it's fucking trash the whole thing is terrible it's fucking like this guy has just gotten into a re- I don't know if he's been signed to a record label or not but he's somehow gotten access to the biggest stars of that that year 2009 is when it was released by the way it was his fourth album there were three more catastrophes for this um like it had Rihanna on it it had Kid Cudi on it it had uh Akon on it like it, Kelly Rowland was on it when Love Takes Over. Kind of oh my god! Banger. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> like it's like it's just complete phone in after phone in after phone in. It's the same shit over and over again. And this fella is still like living off the fruits of that. Do you think he has a fragile ego? I I'd say one comment leaves him torn apart for days. Because he had that thing recently where he was talking about, you know I But he had that thing recently where he was talking about, you know, like, oh people say that I just plug a USB in and I press Oh yeah, they recorded DJ sets. uh, Yeah, yeah. He's like, actually no, I'm I do it live and it's a lot of work. And I'm like, hmm. I saw him live once at a thing. I'm I, so sorry. I had to go. Hot Press sent me to Berlin for like a, a phone launch or something. It was a weird trip, and I bet you it was Motorola. It was a Motorola. No, it was. It was. <laughs> he Motorola seems like a Motorola guy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was like no, I don't think so. It was like something, but like there was a Beats tie-in to it. I got like a nice. I got a phone. I got a pair of headphones out of it. It was oh, pretty, it was pretty oh, nice. cool. And you know, it was a nice free trip to Berlin. I stayed in a very weird hotel, but it was like uh, we went to like this kind of very strange like warehouse party at the, like, as part of the whole thing. And I turned around and I was like, that's David Guetta DJing in the corner. And he was, like, doing lots of, you know, hands in the air shit, you know? Yeah, do you know, do you know what? He's very diminutive. Yeah, like, but the thing the thing is as well, he's talking about the pre-recorded DJ sets. Like, he's got a residency in Ibiza. Of course he does. He's one of them. He's, like, up there with the likes of Diplo, with the likes of, like, Steve Aoki, Hardwell, Calvin Harris. Calvin Harris. Like, he's one of these guys. He's one of the... Dead Man Five? To quote Kanye West. <laughs> That's how he feels. I don't think, I don't think, I think Dead Mouse is just like, he's not about all of that. I think he just kind of does his own thing in Toronto and just like lives in his little hovel and makes stuff. But anyway, so David Guetta, right? His little hovel. Yeah. Like uh, a mouse. Dead Mouse, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it, he has had over 10 million album sales and 60 million single sales, 14 billion streams to date. Yeah. Jesus. 14 billion. And I can tell you why. Because I went into his Spotify to like look at, to try and look look for the One Love album just to see when it was released and go through the track list and stuff like that. It took me about five minutes of scrolling. I'm not even joking. To get through stuff from fucking last year alone. Like, he's... (laughs) 
like it's it and what he's doing as well is so he's like, prolific is what you're saying prolific i don't know if i think he's a bit of a parasite to be honest oh because my god like, i am loving this it's like what, what i'm seeing is there's a great song um by like mason is it mason superstar and exceder it's called um uh or it's called exceder it's by uh, so uh, could be Freemasons maybe it's like a song from the kind of mid 2000s era it was a great dance song and I saw that like that was on a Spotify I was like what the fuck I, surely he had nothing to do with this and I went into the writers and he had like produced it and then I was like no 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 that's not right. So I went back to the original one. He's just fucking re-released the same song under his name. Mason and Princess Mason Superstar. Mason and Princess Superstar, that's yeah. what it is. And it's called Exceder, right? Yeah, the yeah. original mix is just Mason. It's it's That's a fantastic song, by the way. Absolutely fantastic. Undeniable. He ruined it. Do Completely you, ruined it. Do you think that David Guetta has the possibility and potential to uh, play a few nights in the sphere? Oh, I, yeah. I think that's 100% his his bag I'd say he's probably <coughs> sent letters to Las Vegas I'd say he's been showing up at the sphere every day trying to press the press the <laughs> palm of Bono like this guy is just he's completely he, he is a careerist like a complete careerist well and listen like, listen you're not impressed no I don't like however, this man however to my surprise there are credible outlets yes and this is this is this is kind of tragic, isn't it? I couldn't believe this. Yeah, so he was voted 2023's top DJ in DJ Mag's top 100. DJ Mag, which is credible. DJ Mag. It's credible. <laughs> anyone in the, like anyone in the electronic is a, scene is, is, like, it a, is it a reader's poll? Um, I don't think it is a reader's poll. Even then I'd be I'd be surprised if they're readers. Like, like Anyway, there's a couple of quotes from that, if, okay. if, if, if to, I may. To justify this. Gazing back at Get His Accolades and Accomplishments tells the story of an artist who's managed to make the most of his strengths and grow more dynamic with every decade. It's fucking, he's been around for many of them. Uh, and he's managed to do it with an air of optimism that shines bright in his, artic out, his artistic output. That, I can say, is true. Um, here's a quote from him. It makes me hap as happy to be, let's say, culturally relevant as it does to have a big, massive global hit. They're both important, he says. <laughs> With pride. So for me to have the freedom to make house records with Jack back, to make festival records that are techno and trance influenced like Future Rave and to be able to do a record like I'm Good, which was a, uh, came out last year, I believe it did quite well in the Billboard charts, um, and have that kind of freedom to express myself. It's incredible. It's incredible. He repeated himself. This man is remixing songs that are not remixing, literally remaking them with different synthesizers and putting them out again. That's our number one. David Guetta. That was so entertaining to watch. Shout out Adam to his family. Stop. Shout out to his family. <laughs> I actually will never recover from that. That was, uh, I I feel exhausted yeah. after, after that. I really went in. Wow. I mean, like, this that was is... amazing. I've yeah. been looking for a platform for that for years. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that it was this one. Yeah, me too. Thank you and so much. Thank you so well. much. Thank, it, thank you, listener, for bearing with my hatred of David Guetta. And if you want to help Adam buy a nice coffee and calm down... <laughs> It's patreon.com slash noencore where you can get this episode and every other episode 24 hours early. No ads as well. Yes. And uh, most importantly though, Zara Hedman, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Uh, that was very fun. Um, and yeah, hope to not bump into anyone who has any comments of my top five picks. Alice. Maybe stay inside for like a week. Or... Well, sure, I do that anyway. No. So. <laughs> Grand. All right, Adam. Um, normally this is the part where I, I, I find a way to, you know, lavish praise upon you but I I don't think I deserve it no you deserve it you deserve the world 
I mean, I guess feeling you, clean yeah. talking about David Guetta for that long. Yeah, when it comes to this podcast, you know, I'm like, you know, wondering if it can if it can last, if it's enduring. I think you know, you're my titanium. Oh, oh my, god. my god, love that. Thank you, Dave. My name is Dave Hanrevy. Yeah, all the crazy shit we did tonight, those will be the best memories. I say this has oh, been no encore. <laughs> This will be no encore, and shout out to all of your families. (laughs) Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.